Can we get emotional? Can we just dive right in? Oh yeah. Tears out. Tears out. out. Here we go. Titties on. Guys, get ready for a really sad announcement. This is going to be the last episode of Let's Fight a Boss. That we are recording in Brian's apartment because he is moving. That is correct. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I put pauses in appropriate places. Did that happen there? No, no, I think it was fine. Okay, just yeah. enough, yeah, yeah. just enough. Yeah. Uh, Oni, Oni, can you make the pause longer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, stretch it out for a good five seconds. Thanks, Oni. Um, it's weird. Brian is moving. I am. I'm only moving down the road. He's only moving down the road, and I feel really emotional about it. It makes me... It, it, it's just weird because we have been recording this podcast here for seven years. Pretty much. I yeah. have lived beside Brian for seven years. Uh, almost eight. And almost eight. And now he is abandoning me. And Welcome. what I found really weird was that like at no point did Brian consult me or check that I'd be okay with the whole move. Um, what I did was I'm actually because I'm moving down the road I'm moving closer to Neve. Mm-hmm. checked in with her she said I'd prefer if you didn't move closer to me Brian I appreciate my space from you like I do enjoy your company but I also enjoy when I'm not in your company mm. I said okay I'll move closer to you yeah um, because like you Neve, I don't I, like I get that with John I don't enjoy his company mm-hmm. I wanted, this is true and it's this rock, paper, scissors thing where John doesn't really enjoy Neve's company. And we all just, we're all sick of each other. Um, last Monday night, Neve showed up to my house and she was like, Hey, John, I saw there's a big uh, AEW pay-per-view going on. And I was just wondering if... It was weird. She was talking in this weird accent. She was like, I was just wondering if little Noel Neve could hobble on inside and take a gander. And I was like, Neve, get the fuck out of here. He gave me enough time to run through the door as he said that. And once Michelle saw me, oh. I knew I was safe. Yeah. I could stay. I wish Michelle wasn't so fond of you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, end of an era. That is. We've Here been recording is. at this kitchen table for so long. Yeah, this, this table is so fucked as well. I yeah. hope they do, like. I, I, I don't want oh. any more podcasts recording on this table. I think if some like little shits come in and they start doing their own little fucking podcast in this apartment, oh. they can fucking yeah, get the fuck. They can go here. drink some shit. I yeah. don't care. Yeah. Fuck them. Yeah, go go chug a piss. Yeah, go chug a piss. All kill ourselves like right now, so our ghosts <laughs> could haunt whatever we're, podcast we're just gonna, comes. There's going to be blood everywhere. Yeah. They're just not going to. This bother. corner will be really fucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Like, yeah. Dogs yeah. will stare at it. Babies will cry. There yeah. will be a chill here. There'll, there'll, a smell, a it, phantom smell. It, it, it'll be like the elderly of Ireland would be like, "Oh, you don't go near there. That, that's that's <laughs> awful. That's a shocking place. Shut up, some fucking Christ Jesus." <laughs> Some dark shit happened there. Mm-hmm. A lot of dark shit happened here. This has been the home of this podcast for so many years. This is where we talked about so many, Watch. so many good bits. Uh, Death Stranding, um, The Blast of Us, a classic. Times are changing. So this podcast is probably going to sound much worse for a little bit, and then maybe better, maybe depending better. on what <laughs> we knows? work out. Yeah, yeah, at the moment, the house I'm in is it's good. It's got a table. The acoustics are awful. Okay, awesome. And the walls do need to be painted, which means that we can't, like, unpack too much. 
until we've painted then, the yeah, wall. Yeah. So there's no point like putting out the shelves and doing the whole, you know, anime swag, whatever you got. So I've no idea what the space is going to sound like. And, you know, like we, 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 our consistency has been a little shaky this year for the reasons that just kind of stack together. I think but it's at the end of it, I, I, I think it's because we're growing up and there's more responsibility. There's just shit to deal with constantly. Yeah. Yep. We keep having to go to like doctors and people we know get married. What's that about? Yeah, I'm sorry. It's so rude. Having a wedding is so rude and inviting other people to it. Also rude. Okay, <laughs> right. I definitely should have consulted you both before the wedding just to check that it was going to fly. Like, what if it interrupts the weekend of a podcast? Uh, I've warned Michelle that the wedding can't cut through either of my two podcasts. Okay. I've been very clear about that. Wait, like, you have a second podcast? No. Okay. Nope. If we find... Okay. I'm going to ask the listeners, does John have a second podcast? Because has he been keeping a secret from Neve and myself? I can definitely guarantee you I don't have a second podcast. No, he might have let it slip previously, but we weren't paying attention because it's just John talking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But because it's the start of an episode, I'm giving a shit. But you, you know you know how about half an hour into an oh, episode. Oh, yeah. We all just start dissociating and talking nonsense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah. if you have another podcast, I will kill Brian. Okay. Yeah. Joe oh, Comey. Okay. Like, uh, hmm. I'll die. I'll die for John. So I definitely, do- I definitely don't have another podcast and... Members of that non-existent second podcast definitely don't listen to this podcast. There's no overlap. There's no overlap. Okay. Yeah. Tomorrow I'm watching you every second of the day. I'm watching Nia watching tomorrow. Welcome to the Let's Fight a Boss video game podcast. And listen, we said it all in the intro. We're not the most consistent podcast. We're not the most famous podcast. We're not even the most dynamic, but we are pretty dynamic. But we are the world's strongest video game podcast. I am sitting here to my left. The man of empty rooms. It's Brian. There's one door, but I can't find the knob. To my right, it's the woman of the silver chamber. It's Neve. Where's she, folks, girls? <laughs> cool. A lot of slipping and sliding. Oh. Mm. Uh, and to your right... It's, it's me coming from the hallway of isolation. It's John. It's also where he fucks girls. I mean, look, you gotta, you gotta do it somewhere and I don't have a room. <laughs> Let me take you to my chamber of isolation. No, that's cool, Neve. I, I've seen what happened. I'm good. I, I appreciate the offer, but yeah. Are you, um, sure, you, are you sure you don't want to go to Wet n Wild? Oh, I, I feel like a couple of times already this podcast, we've kind of surfed a little close to the sun, if you get me. That's the that's the old story, isn't it? The guy built the golden surfboard and he surfed really high. Yeah. yeah. That, that's what the Silver Surfer is, yeah? Yeah, Galactus yeah, yeah. moved out of the way of the sun for a second and melted Silver Surfer. It was really sad. Yeah, it was, but it's a moral fable or something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. Um, great. Uh, Brian, you, I feel like, have been just champing at that bit to talk about Orphan First Kill. 
<sighs> Orphan First Kill is a 2022 prequel to the 2009 film Orphan. These are horror films, allegedly. I would more refer to them as comedy films because who boy are these fucking ridiculous. I love the original Orphan film. I think that's a great horror movie. Yeah. I saw that shit in college and it's one of those movies where like it's got a twist. Mm-hmm. Look, this movie came out 13 years ago. The movie has a twist. The twist is so fucking good. It's fucking... And like it's a good horror movie up to the twist. But the twist... Yeah, it's the twist you watch it for. Yeah. And it's one of those ones like I highly recommend you watch it with a group of friends because it's so fucking awkward that you need a buddy with you. You need someone to cringe with because it just gets so ridiculous. But it's... I think I think it's, it's wild. It's it's kind of in the same category as like the visit, where like it's an excellent buddy horror movie. Oh yeah, for sure. So Orphan First Kill is a prequel, and it explains the origin of Esther, Esther, who is the little girl who may not be what she seems. And so I guess we need to spoil the two thousand and nine film. Yeah. Okay. We're doing spoilers. Esther is not a little girl. She is a. 33-year-old woman in the first one? Yeah. Who has a degenerative disease that makes her look like a child. She hasn't aged past the age of 10 to 12, basically. And she has like a hormone deficiency. It's it's real like movie movie illnesses. Yeah. I saw a Maybe it was a TikTok or something a while ago about a real woman who had that disease. It, it, it is sort of loosely based on a true crime story. And since then, there's been a couple of true crimes the, where it's like adults. Yeah, who... there's a couple of different, but like just the degenerative disease thing. Yeah. Like I, I saw a video and it was basically about this woman who did have the appearance of a child and her dating life and how just difficult that was to navigate because like she couldn't be properly affectionate with someone in public because people will just be like, that that man's a pedophile. I don't know what you do about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what you do? I felt really bad for her. Like, she was really yeah, frustrated shit. by it. Yeah, but I know there's also been stories about, like, con men who look young, appear young, and they pretend to be someone who was a missing child mm-hmm. and return to the family, but the family... Uh, have their own thing going on and it's lies upon lies. Yeah, there's a very, very infamous true story about that. There is, okay. And so the little girl who played Esther in Orphan in 2009, she was actually played by a 12-year-old actress. Who She, fucking she was ruled. 10 then. She, she was, was 10. 10 in that movie. And she's fantastic. And she's fantastic. But she's meant to be 12 in the movie. Yeah. I think she's just around oh, that man. age, right 10 before, to 12. Right before the end of that movie, she should have been like, I'm actually 10. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and so the this whole... is like 13 years later, so yeah. it's the same actress who's now in her 20s. I think she's like, maybe she was 12, but like uh, she's 25 now. So yeah, she's 25 now. And what they're doing is they're using like Lord of the Rings trick photography with the hobbits, where they have a body double and sometimes they superimpose their face onto the body double, or they use faraway shots with a child body double, but mm-hmm. have her talking I, from I, her back. I, I, lo- I don't know why, but something about like those trick shots 
just triggers the neurons in my brain and makes me really happy. It's mostly practical effects. Like they yeah. have all the other actors wear giant platform boots and they get her to walk like three meters ahead of everyone and use like forced perspective to make them look that they're like they're standing together. And then they use like child body doubles when she's from the back and stuff. Yeah. So like it's really, really clever. Like a lot of like film trickery has gone into this to have um, the same actress play Esther uh, or Lena is it? Yeah, well, yeah, because she's cause Lena, she, then she's Esther. She yeah, takes so, over the role of so, Esther. So at the start of this, she's Lena, and she's a psychiatric patient in the Sarin Institute in Estonia, which is explained in the original film from 2009 that, yeah, she's like a psychopath. And one of the things is that she has these restrained scars on her arms and neck, and she has like rotten teeth. That's why she wears uh, prosthetic teeth. And so you kind of get to see her in her kind of like final reveal form at the beginning of this film. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of see her escaping from the hospital in an absolutely ridiculous way. But I guess it works. It works. And then she starts doing some identity theft by finding a missing American girl called Esther who's been missing for two years and claims she's her and that she's been found in Russia. And she, she, she like dresses herself up to look like a little girl, but her version of a girl is like a Victorian doll. Does she look cool or? Oh, she looks creepy. Yeah, she looks really creepy. But now she has an older brother as well. And he's just like, why is she dressing like that? And they're making fun of her like weird doll clothes. Um, and, and, and the fact that she has a Russian accent now. Yeah. And that her memory is very foggy and she kind of just is very unreliable. And the mother is played by Julia Stiles. When I saw this was Julia Stiles, I was like, Julia Stiles! She was in Save the Last Dance. Yeah. Like, like she was in the and Jason... Ten Things I Hate About You. Yeah, and, and, and she was in the Jason Bourne film. She was in an okay season of Dexter. Like... I feel bad for her if this is what she's doing. No, shut up, Brian. This movie's brilliant. This no, is, is like good. such it's... a fucking good movie, and no, Julia Stiles is amazing. Brian told in me this. this was a great movie. Like it's it amazing. <laughs> okay, no, like she's having some fun, and there is that one line about her and her husband. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like the whole thing with Esther is that she's really, really horny for a man, but because of her childlike appearance, no man is gonna be like into her. Can relate. <laughs> And so her thing is that she kind of gets sweet on the dad. Mm-hmm. And that happens in the original film and it happens in this movie as well. And there's a very good line that Julia Stiles says. But like for ages I'm watching this with Rebecca and I'm like, what's the like hook of this film? Like, like they can't make the same movie again. Yeah. No, no, and it can't. seems like they, they are can't. for a while. Yeah. And, and we're about an hour in and you're kind of like, this is just really like a, 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 a like account of events of the lead up to the first film. But then there's like a turn in the film and it's pretty it's good it's fucking brilliant it's really it's good it's so good I didn't see it go uh, coming but then you're put in a position where you're nearly like rooting for Esther yeah and it's like it's really interesting to have that flip happen in it I loved it it was so campy and silly and just brilliant like hooten and hollering all over this movie it was so good I do love it when horror movies hoot and holler yeah there and just, are like, some I love... very good kills especially at the end yeah I love when like um, 
small people are thrown. I don't know how to explain that. <laughs> like, I love when Chucky gets thrown in the air. I love when Muppets get thrown in the air. I loved when Esther got fucked over her counter, just like flipped. It's so funny to me. It's one of the most brilliant images in cinema. Lost my mind. <laughs> like, like, John, there's one bit where she makes friends with like a rat and she's like, you're my only friend. And like, this rat keeps hanging out with her. It's a really cool rat. And so like, they also they like the budget isn't the best on this film and so they have to kind of hide the ropey cgi so the film is really really bloomly lit and sometimes mm-hmm. shots are out of focus and it's supposed to be a stylistic choice but everything looks very foggy i was cleaning my glasses at the start of this movie and i was like rebecca is this like does this just look like this and she's like yeah there's like there's vaseline smeared across so this there's, entire there's, there's movie. a shot in my dell video where it, it's me out of focus just being like oh fuck what do i do and I got a message from someone being like, I like that shot in particular because it really like brings your like shattered focus to the viewer. I just forgot to put my camera in focus and that was the only take I had. <laughs> they did it for an entire movie with Orphan first <laughs> Oh my God. It's such a weird, uncanny film, but then you kind of just lose yourself in the madness. Yeah, but that's what I like about it. It's just kind of wild. Like last, a few episodes ago, I talked about Black Phone and I just said it kind of did nothing. It was kind of a nothing burger of a movie where it had some good ideas. It gestured towards some themes, but it didn't commit to anything. This commits with its whole heart to camp silliness. And I just appreciate it I love so camp much. silliness. It's oh, like, this is a party movie. I thought, Watch it with your friends. I thought you meant yeah. camp silliness as a location. Oh, I love that too. <laughs> That's where the killer clowns come from. Like, like a summer camp movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just to me this is brilliant. Like I loved, I loved it. Like, but it's also like I, it's. I've seen people just say this movie shit, and I also like completely agree with that. For me, like this is a five star movie. I, I, lo- I loved it. I really appreciate about this movie is that like. It's very, it, like, it's not very often you see a movie where it's, like, the last 30 minutes are the best of the film. Because, like, the first hour is, it's, it's completely watchable and you're kind of like, what's, what's, what's going on here? But the last 30 minutes, you were so emotionally invested in this, mm-hmm. like, fucking explosion. And it does one of my favorite things in movies when they have an artist who really sucks at art. So the dad is a painter and his whole shtick is he uses black light to put like hidden meaning into his paintings. Which and is they, in the original film. And they fucking suck. Like they're such shitty, shitty paintings. And everyone's just like, wow, he's such a talent. He's such a visionary. And it's like... The idea that like, like using a black light is, so is like a really cool yeah. thing to do. Is like... And he's there painting in his ta- a tank top with like the window... like the curtains all open so you can see this black light flash on and off and yeah. it's like his creative sexy genius and he just sucks ass is he is he sexy um not for me like um he given me nothing but he's, uh, he's not as sexy as the ugly sexy dad in the original film mm-hmm. who was not as sexy either but kind of like kind of crappy sexy ugly sexy's very hot yeah i've yeah. been getting real into that lately it's cool real dirtbag dad vibes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Julia uh, Julia Stiles is just sexy, sexy in this. I thought she was great. She's stunning. She wears a scarf so well. Yeah. Good. Good. Neve. Yeah. 
Tell me about 3,000 Years of Longing. Oh, it's the genie movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've seen a bunch of hubbub about this. Um, so going from a movie that I called like camp and exciting and thrilling and like Orphan First Kill, just brilliant fucking art. Um, uh, this is a piece of shit that I hated is 3,000 cool. Years of Longing. It's made by George Miller who did <laughs> yeah, the Mad Max movies. It is. Um, what the fuck? And like, n- not to be extremely dismissive of it, but I just, I like did not like this movie. Hey, it doesn't whatsoever. hit home with you. It doesn't hit home with you. Um, this is a movie that's about longing and desire and want and need and storytelling. Um, okay, well, so far the titles adding up. Yeah, and mm-hmm. like, like to me, I was just like, brilliant. I love that idea. I love like love. I love romanticism. I love eroticism. I can't wait to see this. And um, it is about Tilda Swinton's character, who is a narrativologist. She studies narrative and she studies studies storytelling, and she is uh, depicted as a really. I guess lonely woman like she lives alone her whole life is story and it's kind of she has put her entire being into her academic pursuits and the movie frames this as kind of like that she's lacking like th- she says she isn't but she's lying to us you know um th- at least that's how I felt from watching it like she talks about how like much she loves it but she's also like tapping her leg anxiously like throughout it and we see that like played back when she's a child and she feels isolated as well so the idea is that she says she doesn't want love and desire and these things but she kind of actually does she's going as a speaker for to a narrativology like uh convention i guess and they're talking about like how superheroes are heroes are the new gods blah 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 and she like I was just like, oh, is this your conference? This seems like one-on-one things, but whatever. And she gets a genie bottle and she rubs the genie bottle while she's in her hotel. And this is a very COVID movie. It is kept within the four walls of the hotel room for um, a lot of it. And she rubs the bottle and Idris... Idris. Idris Elba. 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 There we go. I can't say his name. Um, I-E. Yeah, Idris Elba as the genie appears from the bottle and he wants to grant her three wishes and, and he's got pointy ears and he's got pointy ears and he comes out really big first and they fix him and <laughs> as a narrative all of it just she's just like every story i've ever been told about a genie was a cautionary tale there's never anything good when it comes to wishes and no one gets anything good so you're kind of barking up the wrong tree asking me to make wishes that is true and so he tells her four different stories and they're meant to be stories about longing and desire and what my problem was with the movie is i didn't feel like it's very sexless it's a sexless sex movie like there's no eroticism to it there's no sex to it there's no i didn't feel desire from any of these narratives but we're meant to get to a point where it where it's kind of like she desires his desire but i got I got nothing from it. Like it was, it felt cold and it's aesthetic sensibility. The visual style they used from it was not attractive to me either. So watching this, it felt like a very PG-13 expression of sex and sexuality and longing and want. And so are they trying, like, so like is like romantic desire a part of what they're going for? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. There's there's a lot of ways you can read this movie because every story is also a story about ca- captivity. 
So the first story is about the Queen of Sheba falling in love with Solomon, but she is a queen and he is a like a king and there is duty. The next one is about a concubine who wants like wants a baby with a with a king and then again there's duty and there's a concubine you're being owned. Mm. There's like a story about two brothers who are uh, next in line for a, a kingdom as well and uh, again it's to do with duty and captivity within that kind of stuff. Is there not any stories about common folk? Uh, kind of the concubine story is the most well the last story that he tells which is his big love story but she's also in captivity she's also a um, one of the many wives of a man you know yeah and so all the stories while they're all about desire and like that kind of stuff they're also about being captured and being stuck mm-hmm. and by the end of the movies, there's this thematic stuff with him kind of, the genie himself, he needs the wishes to be made to be free. It's like, it just kind of all falls back in on itself, where it kind of feels like her want and desire is just captivity as well. So it's it's not all about sex and desire and eroticism. I don't know. It's like, it's a weird movie because you're kind of trying to understand what it's trying to tell you. To me, it didn't do either of them. Neve seems well. like this film doesn't fuck. No, the the movie doesn't fuck. It it really doesn't fuck. Cause like Babe fucks. Yeah, Babe. <laughs> babe, uh, babe, babe is a hard fucking movie if and, you watch it the right way. And, and this is from the same writer director, so I it just like. What are some other good movies that fucks? Uh, the second Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, Happy Feet. Oh yeah, Ooh. <laughs> Happy Feet specifically. <laughs> same director. Uh, I don't know. There's just something about this that felt sterile. Even in what it was trying to say about captivity and stuff, I was kind of like, okay. Like, I felt stuck watching it. I felt captured by it and not in an enraptured way, just in a very kind of found a dull way. There was also like a weird amount of like fat phobia in it. Really? Yeah, because we're talking a bit about like, again, supposedly sex. And then the only bodies that you get to see naked really are um, of these uh, fat women that one of the princes, he desires fat women. And the genie, the djinn calls it like a fetish. And I didn't really like that fat bodies were just boiled down to fetish and not just the fact that someone could like a fat body. And the one of the characters is literally just a butt of a joke. Like her butt literally saves the day in a way and it's kind of like and it's just again it's kind of like you're talking about desire and longing and then you present a body um like a fat body and you could even hear it in the cinema like i felt like people started laughing like that was the moment of humor in the movie and it was just really like it just it's one of those things that i really don't like when a movie tries to talk about love or desire and then they go this really cis heteronormative boring fucking way with it like there was no gayness or queerness to it either and then you were presented with a different body and then that's a joke and to me it just felt the whole thing felt extremely stale sure and not romantic and even if the point of it was at the end that it was never romantic and it was all about captivity and holding holding on to people that you can't have even that didn't come across well okay so uh, I really just this movie just did not land with me whatsoever. And it's one of those ones where you see reviews and people are like, this is like a lot of people's everything everywhere all at once. Like that's what like that's what a lot know? of conversation around it reminded me of for sure. Mm-hmm. 
Like, I think people are really connecting to this in a, a, in a really strong way. But it sounds like the four fables he tells are, are all kind of the same. They are kind of all the same. And they're really fucking boring, Brian. <laughs> they are so boring. How, how long are they each? Like, like 15, Around 20 15 minutes? minutes. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, because like, that's an opportunity to really go different and set them apart and have, you know, some similarities, but not mm-hmm. really obvious similarities. Yep. But they, it was ultimately the same story over again about, like, want and... Well, Eve, you want to talk about things that are about desire, things that are about romance, things that fuck. It's Wrestle Talk. Fuck yeah. You're right, though. <laughs> get real fucking hard and sweaty oh we're gonna do it okay lots to cover so first of all clash at the castle wwe's first uk big uk pay-per-view in forever and um good pay-per-view all around i liked everything seamus and gunther you might know him as walter brian (laughs) gunther gunther is his name now vince mcmahon just got one last little (laughs) But Volta was so good. Volta! Yeah. Yeah, oh, Volta's fucking brilliant. Um, no, he's Gunther now. Great. Yeah. Um, but he that that was a good match. Um, I thought Liv Morgan actually put on a really good match against Shayna Baszler. I understand that people want Shayna Baszler to be champion. Me too. I do think Liz, Liv Morgan has something. She's green. She needs to develop. But she does have a charisma. Like, she, this, she is... She's not a wet fart of a wrestler that I feel like a lot of people try and paint her as. She's cool. Um... Biggest match of the evening, though, Drew McIntyre versus the Tribal Chief, Roman Reigns. This was such an interesting match because for so many people, well before the event, this was Drew McIntyre's night. He had a championship run, but he had it during the pandemic, and so he didn't really get to have like that crowd thing with him. If you've never seen Drew McIntyre, he's like this super charismatic, incredibly hot Scottish dude. He used to be called the Scottish Psychopath when he was a heel, and then they upgraded him to just nice warrior man. And he, he's great. He's he's He has everything you could possibly want in like a main event wrestling guy. He's also a really good dude. He, he put, he does, he put out like a really cool message of support for like, you know, when a lot of the kind of Me Too stuff was happening in wrestling and just, you know, he's always on like the decent side of a conversation and just seems like a nice guy. Everyone wants Drew to succeed. And there was 60,000 people in this arena and like the pop he got when he came out because like this was in the UK it wasn't in Scotland it was in Wales but you know it's the UK everyone wants to see like the first ever undisputed WWE like UK champion and he was fucking brilliant and like you talk about like the kind of effects a crowd can have on a match this was amazing like this was just they were so into him and like everyone thought it was going to be his night everyone was like this is when Drew like breaks through only problem it's Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns has been the WWE champion for, I think, something insane, like 630 days now. He's their golden boy. He's their golden boy, and he deserves every bit of it. 
Roman Reigns is just a fucking generational talent now. He is incredible. And, like, the way he's improved most isn't, like, his athleticism. It's not even on the mic, even though he's much better on the mic now. But, like, the psychology he brings to a wrestling match. Because, like, he, he like, in Roman in Roman's Reigns' mind, he's, like, you know, he, say, he, he refers to himself as always being in God mode. He's not a wrestler he's this ascended being he has to do all this for wwe because it could never survive without him and the thought that anyone could ever replace him is completely impossible and so you get these sixty thousand people like just cheering for drew mcintyre like with just everything they have and roman reigns is alone he doesn't have his posse he doesn't have the bloodline he doesn't have his manager he doesn't have the wise man paul Heyman, and He's lost. He's like a giant psychotic child. And he's like shit looking out at the audience. He's like, no, no, like he can't believe they're cheering for Drew, you know? Like he can't he can't be in this situation where he isn't the best. And so the whole match, it was Drew just pushing Roman and pushing Roman and pushing Roman. And it constantly felt like watching him on like the edge of a cliff and at any moment he could fall off. And it was brilliant. It was so good. And then right at the end, one of Roman Reigns' shitty little villains, shitty little minions had stowed away, came out and cost Drew McIntyre the match. And Roman Reigns hit him with a spear, and I could not, like, I was jaw agape when when he hit the three count. It was just such a fantastic match, and I understand that, like, people really want to see the title on Drew McIntyre. In the long run, when people are telling, like, the Drew McIntyre story, because he has many years of being champion ahead of him, but when people are telling that story this match is going to be such a fucking huge part of that. And, like, it would have been cool if he won. Like, I wanted him to win, you know? But by the end of it, it just... It was such, like, a just hero in heartbreak story. And it was it was amazing. It was just so... Like, there's, tech, there's technically better matches. There's more athletic matches. But just in terms of, like, a heart and soul story, this was incredible. It was so good. WWE has been on an absolute rampage since Triple H has been back. I wonder how much longer that will last. Like, you know, everyone's very high on WWE and like there's definitely like a honeymoon period now that Vince is finally gone. But um, it's really hard to look at WWE now and say like it's not, I'm not going to say the most interesting organization in the world because that's a really tricky conversation right now, but that it's like, it's so much better than it was. It's And Dexter Loomis is back. It's like he's this, his whole shtick is he's Dexter the TV show. Blood splatter analysis he's murderer. A, he's a serial killer who's also a wrestler. Okay. Like Dexter. And he's so fucking hot. Oh my god. Um, And he's brilliant and like the wacky shit they've been doing with him. He's stalking the Miz. He kidnapped, he kidnapped the Miz. Um, it's it's just, it's so much fun. It, it's been really, really great. Braun Strowman came out recently which is like, okay, cool. Yeah, fine. Whatever. But anyway. But then you get to AEW. And I don't know. This this is this is weird and it's hard and it actually it actually makes me genuinely like sad. But um AW had a huge pay-per-view Sunday night, which myself and Neve watched Monday evening. Um I tried for a long time to get Neve out of my apartment, but she kept scampering. 
Mm-hmm. And eventually I just lost the will and I was like... She's slippy. Yeah, she's so yeah. slippy. Sliding around the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but we watched it and I think it was like, it was a pretty good, like all in all it was a pretty good show. Yeah, it was a pretty good show. I, I'm i not over Jungle Boy and what happened That there. was fucking brilliant. The further I get away from that, Neve, the more delighted I am. I'm so shocked. So Jungle Boy is like... I go- going to avenge his dad, <laughs> Luke Perry, because Christian has just been saying the most heinous shit. What Christian said was, I never wanted to be your father, Jungle Boy, who's been mentoring Jungle Boy for the last year. His father's Luke Perry, who died two-ish years ago. Yeah, yeah about two years ago. And um, Christian said, I've been like a father to you, but I never wanted to be your father. You already have a father. He's just dead. And then next week, Christian came out and apologized. He said, I'm sorry, Jungle Boy. I'm sorry about your father being dead. I'm sorry your whole family isn't dead. (laughs) Fucking unreal. The most, like, nightmare person shit. Uh, like Neve, you were actually when I sent you this clip, you were actually like appalled. I thought it was horrible. Like like Luke Perry, he's like it's just like going after someone's dead dad. But it was just like I like I understand that it makes a good narrative, and the only way that this could happen is like with everyone on board, and like they have like this is brilliant. Like it's it's working because Luke like Jungle Boy comes out, and I say to John, I was like, he can't be called Jungle Boy anymore. This is too insane. This is too intense, and. He's not. He's Jack Perry now. Mm-hmm. He's taking his dad's name. It was yeah. like Jungle Boy, Jack Perry. And like there was, when he was coming out, there was such a feeling of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. get him Jungle Boy. Yeah, fucking get do him. it. And, you and know? what happens, Neve? Oh my God. Okay. Well, like, like first Christian comes out and uh, Jungle Boy's mom slaps him across the face and Christian gets into the ring. He's like, like just being a smarmy asshole. Then Jungle Boy's music hit. There is like a wave of excitement from the audience. Everyone is so hot for Jungle Boy. And he's like, you're just like, fuck yeah, he's going to do it. And Jungle Boy waits for his dinosaur best friend, Luchasaurus. So, uh, Jungle Boy has a... Uh, a pet giant man a, a, dinosaur. A, a six foot seven dinosaur named Luchasaurus. Yeah, because I, I read there he's five foot ten, which is really short for a wrestler. Really mm-hmm. tall. Short, yeah. Luchasaurus is fucking massive, Brian. He's the biggest man I've ever seen. <laughs> he's gigantic, Luch- yeah. Luchasaurus is so... Like, how has nobody thought of that? <laughs> I, do, I, like, I saw it the first time I saw it and I was like, I fucking can't believe it. Mm-hmm. And his whole gimmick is that he's actually a dinosaur. <laughs> yep. Um, so like like Jungle Boy's looking around for Luchasaurus and Luchasaurus comes from the other side where which like, is weird because usually Jungle Boy comes out on Luchasaurus's on shoulders. shoulders that's yeah, their yeah. thing he like like because he's like a Jungle Boy and he rides him this yeah. big pet dinosaur yeah he's like and, Bonk or Adventure Island and like kind of like Jungle Boy's confused for a second and Luchasaurus just fucking picks him up and smashes him onto just a metal grate. He gets the most brutal choke slam yeah. I have ever seen. And like, what was so fucked up about it is, you know when you see a wrestler get slammed in the middle of the ring? There's a bounce. Mm-hmm. This was on metal grating with no give. That little Jack Perry, he didn't do no bounce. No. He was just moving very fast and then he was very still. Okay. And Luchasaurus, and I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, I'm shocked. I'm I'm nearly in tears. And Luchasaurus just picks him up and is just like dragging him down to the ring and just like throwing his 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 former best friend. And I'm like, like, and Christian's just in the ring smiling. And I don't. At at the end, Christian gets on Luchasaurus's shoulders, and 
Luchasaurus carries him around like he used to carry Jungle Boy around. <laughs> that was his dinosaur. This is, this is the best. It's just the best storyline. <laughs> he took his like, dinosaur. And he I was made, just like, he turned what a could dinosaur. They promise you, <laughs> he turned a dinosaur evil. And like even the way they played they it in the ring, you? like I genuinely don't think a wrestling match needs to be long to be good. But mm-hmm. basically. Christian brings Jungle Boy in, does his finisher on him, and Jungle Boy kicks out. So you have like this moment of like, oh, he spears him, and he's like, oh, oh god, he kicked out, he kicked out. Thank God. Okay, okay, let's go, let's go. And Christian's like, okay, and then he does his like worst finisher on him, and that's the match. And it was so perfect, like it was mm-hmm. brilliant. I was in shock, shock and awe. But now, like, I am rooting so hard for Jungle Boy, but I'm just also heartbroken. I don't, I don't think Luchasaurus and him can come back from that. That's such a betrayal. Well, so now what's going to happen now is that Jungle Boy is going to have to go through Luchasaurus to get to Christian, mm-hmm. and I think that means that next paper. I hope they wait till the pay per view. I hope they don't pull the trigger on this too soon because it's so good. Next pay per view, Jungle Boy versus Luchasaurus. One after that that's when you do the like big victory with Jungle Boy over Christian. But I was so happy how they played it. There was a lot of good matches, you know, like um, Hangman and the, the Hangman and the Dark Order versus the Elite was just fantastic. It was great wrestling storytelling, did everything it needed to. There was a lot of good matches. There's like 15. It's like the whole event was like five hours long and I'm not going to talk about all of them. But um, Eddie Kingston versus Tomohiro Ishii was Mwah! just just two men slapping each other the for skin off hours. each other yeah yeah, yeah. Two men peeling each other like oranges oh yeah but um then you get to the main event and the main event is john moxley versus cm punk oh, and this was a really good match i thought i i thought like i wasn't what i really was not interested in is seeing face cm punk go over is cm punk still fighting with the entire institution oh brian Mm-hmm. we're gonna get there but um oh look i forgot to mention as well the the first match was a casino ladder match and the devil won it oh yeah and a, a man in a devil mask came out and just won it he came out with an entire posse mm-hmm. and that's been so cool because that manager stokely hathaway for weeks now he's been like handing out business cards this, this faction is what it was for okay. they're a new faction um, and so i was like okay that's weird and the winner of the casino ladder match gets a title shot at some point so anyway, CM Punk, John Moxley, real hard to know what way they were going to go with this. Two weeks ago, John Mo- this, this match actually happened, and C- John Moxley squashed CM Punk in like two minutes, which was really weird and anticlimactic, and I I still question that a little bit. But this match was great. It was two veteran wrestlers telling a great story, and like neither, neither of us are into like face CM Punk. Yeah, no, but I don't like CM Punk. By the end of it, like we were like, okay. Yeah, no, it was a good match. Yeah. Um, I think, again, CM Punk caught himself too early. He just loves being bloody. That's his whole shtick, I guess. But yeah, it was a, it was a good match. I was really into it. Yeah, and they, they told a great story. It was There was great physicality to it. It was good. You know, it was, it it was, was CM Punk's home turf as well. So, like, it felt like an uphill battle for um, Moxley. Yeah, yeah, and, like, Moxley is usually beloved wherever he goes. But um, this was a real... This crowd hated him, and it was great. And he played into it, you know, he was, like, giving them the fingers and everything. But um, then the match ends, and the lights go out, and the devil comes back. Not again. And takes off his mask, and it's MJF. 
MJF Bryan is the guy who did the fucking crazy promo a couple of months ago. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. Um, Tony, you fucking Mark. And it's like, okay, this is all great. I kind of wanted to see MJF go down to the ring and win it, but mm-hmm. that did not happen. That's okay. We can do another Punk MJF promo. They were great the last time. This one will probably be great too. And I really wish that was it, but AEW kind of imploded in the last couple of days in a way that like, I don't know. I, I really don't know what they do from here because in the post-match media events... Someone, I think, asked Punk about another wrestler, Colt Cabana. And I'm not going to go tell the full story. Colt Cabana and Punk went through a massive lawsuit together. There was something to do with Punk saying he would pay Colt Cabana's costs. At some point, Colt Cabana felt hard done by. Really messy shit. I, I, I Honestly, I don't fucking care. I messy re- personal I, stuff. Yeah, I, I do not care. So someone asked Punk this in the most media scrum, and he just goes off and he says he's like it's embarrassing I still have to talk about this stuff and then he starts talking about how Cole Cabana had a bank account linked with his mother and all I I don't know just fucking weird shit I don't want to know about you know and then he goes straight from that into this like spiel on Hangman Page Hangman Page is who Punk won the title from originally and what it comes down to is this like um is this promo Hangman did where he basically says it's it's a it was a really good promo where he talks about how he doesn't want to defend the AEW title against Punk. He wants to defend AEW from Punk. I didn't know what he meant by that. I I, I was like, oh, I wish they had developed that angle more because I don't know what that's about. And he also had this thing where he says something like, um, Punk is all for the working man unless that working man is a wrestler and you've shown that every day since you've been back, you know? So I think suggesting that Punk is using his status to kind of get over or that, like, he's not there for the other wrestlers, you know, it's it's hard to know. But And clearly there seemed to be, like, some legitimacy to, to, to that. But what this leads to is Punk absolutely tearing down Pangman in this post-media event. He's still sweaty and bloody from the wrestling match. Like, that's just happened. And um, it's really messy. You know, it, it sucks. But then that leads to Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks going to Punk's locker room after this event. And like this, none of this is on camera. None of this is kayfabe. This is all real. Anyone who thinks that this is like all a giant work, like I think you need to take a step back from professional wrestling because that is, it, it's just not. Like it's it just makes no sense at all. And a huge brawl broke broke out and the Nick Jackson got knocked out one of the young books uh Kenny Omega was bitten Ooh. by um uh, steel one of punk's friends uh there was a woman with a broken leg involved there was just the most messy violent pull apart and like you know I love when wrestling blends reality and fiction I, I love the blurry line of kayfabe. I think that's something that wrestling does better than any other art form. There is no other art form that can make you question what's happening like wrestling. This isn't that. This is straight up dysfunctional workplace resulting in violence and it bums me the fuck out. It, this is absolutely not what I want. And like I, I've seen people kind of be excited about this, but like this, 
this to me isn't wrestling. This is messy, stupid drama. Like, if I wanted this, I would go watch a YouTube commentary channel. Yeah. You know, this is fucking shite. Like, this this isn't art. This isn't storytelling. This is a bunch of people not communicating. And I, I am so disappointed in it. And, like, I am a big fan of CM Punk. I think the original Pipe Bomb, still one of the greatest moments in wrestling. This is nothing like that. That was that was a wrestler railing against a billion dollar company. This is a wrestler at the very peak of his game who has his title, who has the biggest win, attacking other wrestlers. And it bums me the fuck out so, so much. And like what I'll say is the reason like I love AEW and the reason that like, you know, I, I have supported them so much on this podcast on the channel and everything is ultimately i want to believe there's a place where wrestlers can go that isn't wwe and they can be happy if that's not there there's no single talent in the world that would make that okay i don't need cm punk i don't even need kenny omega you know i I don't need john moxley i don't need anyone who is going to make life worse for the people they work with I don't know the situation. I don't know that everything happened. I wasn't there. It sure sounds to me like a lot of the blame lies with CM Punk just not talking to people. You know, Hangman Page said that in the middle of the ring, nose to nose with CM Punk. How was there not a point between now and then where you don't pull someone aside and say, that was really fucked up and I don't like that you said that. How does that result in this? And... As of I think I've said this already, but as of right now, like this is Wednesday, we're that recording this podcast. I have not watched Dynamite. I don't know what happens on it. The rumor, the the rumors. So right now, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, and seven other people have been suspended, and the rumor is that CM Punk's going to be fired. Um, I'm going to be checking throughout this podcast to see if that happens because holy shit! But um, it's fucking, it's wild, it's so crazy. I'm so mad that this ruined MGF's storyline. So I think I have a way that you could make this about MJF and it would be so cool. Mm-hmm. I think, so right now, Chris Jericho got a big win over uh, Brian Danielson. John Moxley was the former champion. So if the title is vacated, it seems like the best step to me is to put Moxley against Jericho. They have recently had a really interesting match. Some people didn't like it. I thought it was very good. But... um you make them have a main event on Dynamite for the title to decide the new champion. Moxley wins, goes over as like the face underdog. Everyone's cheering. Everyone's happy. Everyone's loving Moxley. Then MJF comes out with his briefcase and he's like, Tony Khan, the owner of AEW, you have nothing right now. And if you don't, if you don't sanctify, like if you don't sign this title match right now, after Moxley's match with Jericho, after he's all ble- beat up and fucked up, I'm going to walk. I'm leaving the company and Tony Khan has to do it. MJF walks down. John Moxley tries hard to fight back and he loses. MJF is the new champion. All the heat in the world back on MJF. Yank the storyline away from Punk and all that stupid fucking drama. That to me is how you get out of this. I don't know what they're going to do. I like your idea. Yeah, me too. (laughs) I love MJF. He's my fan casting for a young Wolverine. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's got good mutton chops. Um, John, I'm disappointed as well because we had a really good night watching wrestling and it felt like that cool, interesting things were happening. 
And you were saying that you were like, it feels like anything could happen. And I was just like, hell yeah. And it was nice to be on board and like watch it with you and have that night. And then like all of this after it really, really kind of spoils it. Yeah. Like I remember you saying to me, like, I think people are really mad about this. And I was like, oh, you know, wrestling fans, they're always mad. And then I caught up with everything afterwards. And I was like, (laughs) like, this is not fun. People seemed upset. Like people were not into it. I'm not even angry. I'm sad. You know, this is this is not what I want from wrestling at all. I cut a big wrestling section out of my new video. I was so upset. Never going to get to talk about All Japan. I'm sure you will. You will. Hey, anyone who's not interested in wrestling, I appreciate you putting up with this especially long wrestling talk. You're a superstar. And to everyone who likes wrestling, you're fucking welcome. Strategy Talk. We had to save the file and pour us some water. Brian, why don't you pour us some water? Some game water. Tell us about Frogun. Frogun. Okay, uh, I've been playing Frogun. It's a very good game. has a frog in it. Obviously, I was going to play it. It's on brand. Yeah, 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 I'm real into frogs. This is originally a Kickstarter game from a Spanish studio that is called Top Hat Studios. So this was a Kickstarter game one year ago. Whoa! It was funded on the 8th of July, 2021, and this game came out August 2nd, 2022. How often is it that a Kickstarter game never comes ne- out one year after the two like two years after I've never yeah. heard of? That's insane. Now, I, I am looking at their con uh, their their Kickstarter here, and the proof of concept is very close to the final build. Okay, so it seems like they got a lot of seed funding at the beginning, and what they were backing was an almost finished build. I mean, it seems to me like that's the only way that Kickstarters go smoothly. Absolutely. Unless you're from like yacht club games or something, where you've got like a like a track record of making yeah, yeah. making stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, I've, I've played about an hour or two of Frogun, and so far I'm really really enjoying it. This is a low poly platformer throwback, but it's not like an N64 game. I would compare it to a PlayStation One game. Think Crash Bandicoot. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. It, it's like tra- it's like Crash Bandicoot meets Spyro meets Croc, and what you're doing is it's a platformer game where you play as uh, uh, a girl with a frog a gun and the way the gun works is that it it's a frog that's a gun and it shoots out its big long tongue and you can use it to attack enemies reach out of the way coins or use it kind of as a grapple hook so that you can go across gaps and sounds more like a whip than a gun yeah um, there's another child in it who has a snake whip and occasionally you will race against him the way the camera works is it's kind of like that captain toad game on the wii u and switch where uh the levels are just very kind of minecrafty block by block kind of looks a bit like minecraft as well because of the 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 simple texture aesthetic Uh, but you have like free reign of the camera and so there's loads of like hidden out of place collectibles and so the idea is that you're playing as this little girl whose explorer parents have gone missing and you're kind of going deeper and deeper into the ruins level by level. It's a very simple game and for the most part it's super charming. The platforming's only okay 
Occasionally you'll land on the edge of a platform and it'll just slip and fall. It's not as precise as I wish it was compared to some of the other throwbacks. Like I guess like a hat in time has has really like twitchy controls, but it has a lot of like forgivability, I guess, when you land on a platform. It, it, it'll kind of correct itself. It's the it's, it's same with Celeste. Like Celeste has that thing called coyote time where that like if you land in like within the field of a platform, it'll kind of just like lock you into it. Uh, and I wish this game had that because the auto detect isn't the best. And sometimes the camera is a bit too free, a bit too loose. I kind of wish it worked like the Mario 64 camera where that kind of moves in like notches because sometimes you want to line the character up so that when you're going forward, you're definitely pushing up on the analog stick and not pushing, you know, at like 11 o'clock or one o'clock on the analog stick, let's say, uh, because sometimes the camera isn't kind of locked in uh, the foreground the way you'd want it to be. Um, and I wish there was a snap button where you could snap the camera right behind the character. Sure. It doesn't yeah. have that. Uh, because sometimes you just want to get through a level and it is a mixture of you're playing the character and you're playing the camera at the same time. And the ca and the camera is okay following the character, but not always. kind of does its own thing sometimes. And that kind of adds to you messing up some of the jumps. But so far, it's, it's good. Uh, I do appreciate this game. Cool. I'm looking forward to hearing more about that, Brian. Do you know how long it is, Brian? I'd say it's about four or five hours long, if even. Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely one of those games where it's like it's short, but then to 100% complete it is okay. very, very time. Or Yeah, it's, it's going to take a big old chunk of time, but I'm probably not going to do that. Um, I, 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 like for me, I just want to play through it. Real quick, just a few little updates. Xenoblade Chronicles 3 continues. Um, the consistency of that game remains just great. I have no issues with it. I, I'm continuing to enjoy it. I get the feeling this is going to be like 100 fucking hours long and I'll never see the yeah. end of it. But I will stop playing it when I stop having fun with it. That has not happened. I'm having a lot of fun with it. I'm liberating a lot of colonies. Um, we will talk about it in depth in the future. I, I am really enjoying this game. I love Uni. She's my favorite character. Mm, brilliant. She's just, she's so great. And she should be so shit. Yeah, yeah. But she's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I got a a new class uh, for her. It's like it's, it's the, there's a guy who looks like looks like Beelzemon that like uh, Digimon when he has two handguns, and she looks dope. And she just has her gun DPS thing happening. And I don't ever want to take the outfit off her because she looks so cool in it. So slight mechanical spoilers for Xenoblade, but like I I got to just got to the point where I was like, okay, I have these six classes and I need to figure out what all these do. And like each character has like a unique character design for their class and stuff. I just saw the table with all the classes you yep. can unlock. What the fuck is this game? Big. Yeah. Big is the answer. And yeah. um, also playing some um, Great Ace Attorney. I know I sounded very down on this game on the second of the two Great Ace Attorney games. And people were like, oh, you know, you should keep playing because the last two cases particularly are really great. I have now beaten the third case and the third case was a massive step up from the first two cases. Really pulled me in, really presented this like really interesting scenario where um, you are defending a scientist who's dedicated his whole life to inventing a teleportation machine. And the only way you can prove he isn't innocent or that he's, that he's innocent of this murder, is by proving that his machine never worked in the first place, which he thinks it does. 
and that's it's good. that's that's a fun dynamic and mm-hmm. like it wasn't just that they introduced a ton of new characters who were just so beautifully modeled people should look up madam to spells she's a witch who runs a wax museum oh so she's meant to be like madam Tussaud. yeah exactly yeah. and uh just wow that is that is fucking cool character model and um, yeah, okay, it's picking up. I'm. I think I'm ready to just go for it with those last two cases. Uh, that game, the the prosecutor Van Zykes, I think he's called. That game is him. It, uh, the story is becoming more and more about him. He's a sexy, beautiful vampire, and he's such a fascinating character. And I'm. I'm I, I am getting really back into it again. Uh, Neve, you have entered the roller drome. Sure have. Is it Drome or Dome? Dome. Drome. Damn it. What is it? Uh, yeah, I thought it was Dome as well, but I, I looked it up there. It's Drome. Drome. Yeah. Roller Jerome. Yeah. So, Jerome. So, uh, Brian, this is from the people who made Ollie Ollie at Roll 7. Wow. And this is their Tony Hawk murder game where you are basically, you are on rollerblades? Not rollerblades, inline skates. Skates. There's a difference. Uh, so it's like, what is that sport when you're on skates and you hurt people? On the streets, Neve, we just call them uh, street slicers. Oh, the one that Drew Barrymore directed <laughs> yes. a film about. Yeah. Uh, Whip it. Roller derby? <laughs> roller derby, yes. Thank you, Brian. Brian is my second brain. The film is called Whip It. It's a, that's a great film. See, John can be oh, a brain. I did not like that film, Brian. <laughs> what? It was it was kind of crap. But and Yeah, that's why it's so good. <laughs> Uh, no, this is the crap, bad type of crap, not the not the orphan first kill kind of crap. Uh, I really am enjoying Rollerdrome. It has a really uh, interesting 3D aesthetic. It kind of reminds me of Sable, where it has like a black outline on like 3D models, so it kind of looks really illustrative. And when you uh, start up a match, like it does that big splash, big text on the screen, and it's like the year is 2030. Uh, so. Like, we're not too far out, but it's a near future where everything has gone to shit. But don't worry, we now have this murder sport we can watch. And the people who engage in the murder sport have an opportunity to pay off their debt. So everyone has mounting debt. People enter the roller drome to win money and hopefully survive so they can pay it off in this uh, terrible near future. Uh, the gameplay of this is pretty close to Tony Hawk's extremely forgivable and that's what I love about it like if you were doing a sweet flip and you're a sweet trick and you don't have enough air you're not gonna wipe you never wipe it corrects for you she like just scrunches into a little bit of a smaller ball and lands perfectly she does a cool little dive she lands perfectly uh you play as a character called Kara Hassan so you don't have a character creator but it is just it it corrects for you, so you're never losing momentum. Oh, that's good. You have handguns and a shotgun. They're the weapons I have so far. Um, to get your bullets, you have to do tricks. So you have- Oh, that's cool. So yeah, you have yeah. 12 shots with your, your handgun. You've got six with your, your shotgun. You uh, can get a perfect sh- uh, shot in them if you slow down time and just wait for stuff to line up and you can do more damage with that kind of stuff. You need to kill enemies to get health back. So you're on this constant cycle of moving, tricks, shooting. It's 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 full on and you feel fucking cool doing it. Like 
And it's, again, it's very forgiving. You can go out of bounds. It just takes a little health and puts you back into it. Like it, nothing about this game slows you down whatsoever. It wants you to move fast. It wants you to hit tricks. It wants you to shoot the shit out of people. Uh, when you win or lose, you get a big splash screen where it goes yellow if you win and you get the victory and like eliminated and it goes all red. So it's very graphic and cool looking. It, so far, it's kind of set up like a, a league. So you start off in your training, then you go to your like semifinals and like that kind of stuff, uh, your quarterfinals, your semifinals. And there's about four levels in each bracket and the ante gets pushed each time. There's snipers on the first map, you know, there's people with baseball bats on the first map. But then by the time you're on your fourth map and that there's guys with rocket launchers with heat seeking missiles Whoa. and you have to do some sweet flips, dodge the uh, dodge the missiles, shoot them out of the air, wherever you want to do it. That you as you progress, you're you're fighting full on mechs and you're oh. like flying up the side of a mech and you're shooting into the weak part of a mech. Oh, that sounds awesome. It. And again, never losing that momentum, just great sense of speed and great kind of like just little narrative touches around it. Like you're given enough to know that you want Kara to succeed, you right, know, okay. you want her to win, but you, it isn't a story. Yeah, because it's saying here it borrows from Running Man, which makes sense. Yeah. Running Man's such a good movie. Yeah. Um, just like a post dystopian. And also a fun book. Yeah. Very different book. You all have to compete in this killer game show. Yeah. They do this thing in the Running Man book where it just goes like 99. And then you don't know what that is. It's just a number in the middle of the page. And then you turn a few pages and it goes 98. And then you turn a few pages, it goes 97. That's cool. It's pretty fucking cool when it hits one. <laughs> Kaboom. Yeah. Sorry, Neve. That's it. That's Roller Drum. That's Roller Drum. That sounds awesome. I'm really enjoying it. This is kind of what I wanted something like Neon White to be for me. Like, it's got the speed, it's got the shooting, but it lets... Perhaps a Goopy Gamer Goblin Brain podcast game? Absolutely. Oh, okay. I need one of them. It's a Goopy Goblin Gamer Brain podcast game. Goopy Goblin Gamer. Ah, geez, it's not going to alliterate. Cool. Neve, that sounds great. I, I, I'm, I'm going to play that. Uh, guys, I have been delving into the murky world of PlayStation 2 emulation. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. You are uh, sailing the high seas. Oh, no, I own all these games physically and I have ripped their ROMs to my PC because I am just that good a boy. Whoa. Um, a good Catholic. And somehow I am using it to try a bunch of games I've never played. Don't ask me how that works. doesn't matter. But yeah, I, I just got a real hankering for some PlayStation 2. I, okay, what happened was I, I really liked the Tekken Bloodlines anime. Fell down a bit of a Tekken hole, a Tekken, Tekken hole. I ended up on some Tekken message boards arguing with people about who the best Tekken boss is. And I was like, I want to play Tekken 4. I, I think I do actually own a legal copy of Tekken 4 in like Tekken 6 or 7 or something. Doesn't matter. I, I've been wanting to mess around with PS2 emulation for a while. It is has come a long way. It is very, very easy to set up. And um, God, that era of games, there is something about it. It's that they thought they were in the future. And every game, like its menus and stuff, it's all just like future, like steel yeah. and, you know, all, all this kind of stuff. And there's just something about it. Bullet um, noises when you click on something. Tekken 4 is the, yes, Tekken 4 is the black sheep of the Tekken family. A lot of people hate it. And because um, the first three games are PS1. First three mm -hmm. games are PS. Tekken 1 is borderline unplayable. Uh, Tekken 2 is 
actually pretty good. I had a few games of it recently with some friends and it, I was surprised at how it held up. Tekken 3 is just like OG Tekken. That is when Tekken became Tekken. Um, and then after that, Tekken Tag is very good, although some people don't like it. Tekken 4 is weird but brilliant in my opinion like not really from a gameplay perspective Tekken 5 is just the Tekken Tekken 6 kind of sucks Tekken 7 very good Tekken Tab Tournament 2 is also very good anyway but Tekken 4 is weird people don't like it for like a lot of gameplay reasons its gameplay is weird they tried to make Tekken like this sort of arena based thing with uneven surfaces and like then Mm -hmm. like some of the characters, like, they introduce wall combos and some of the characters just have the most insane wall combos, like, zero to, like, 100% damage wall combos. It's, it's, it's just silly. It's a very unbalanced game by the but sounds of it. God, yes, but God damn, that game has one of the most perfect, like, aesthetics of a fighting game in that, like, it's Tekken... But it's like in this weird future and everything's cold and everything's kind of scary and weird. But then it also has like a lot of this real like lo-fi kind of trip hop kind of stuff that's that's so that's really, really interesting. And it's like the stories are so good. Like you pick Paul Phoenix and it's like the narrator comes on and he just sounds like this man who's saying the entire story through gritted teeth and I know I've talked about some of this stuff before because I love Tekken 4 so much but it's like you know Paul won the third Tekken tournaments and but the problem is he only beat regular Ogre and then he fucked off before True Ogre happens and Jin beat True Ogre and so Jin was declared the winner of Tekken 3 and Paul is so mad about this and he keeps trying to tell people that he's the actual winner and no one believes him except a small group of people who grow tired of his personality and Paul becomes homeless. Paul became homeless long before Ken ever did and it's it's really fun and all the stories have this weird nearly ridiculous dark twist and it, it's it's awesome you know it's so good and like go listen to that soundtrack it's it's fucking brilliant the illustrations for the stories are amazing this game just has a vibe and i love it at some point i am going to do this isn't going to be soon so so don't ask me when it's going to happen but it's going to be sometime i'm going to do a video about why i love fighting games and it's going to have Nothing to do with, like, FGC or competitive play, even though I do think those things are really cool. They're just not why I love fighting games. I am going to talk so fucking much about Tekken 4 in that video, and the Tekken community will hate me just as much as the several other communities that hate me for specific things. And I can't wait. Um, Tekken 4 is great. I also played um, Ortype Final. You guys know Ortype? Yeah. Yeah. So this is a really, this is basically... The side-scrolling sci-fi shmup. Yep. This is, I think, the Ortype that Ortype purists consider, like, the game. If I have that wrong, Ortype purists listening, please correct me, because I I genuinely don't know what I'm talking about with Ortype. This is my only experience with it. I got Ortype Final 2 for the Switch last year, or I downloaded the demo, and I never bought the actual game, but I something about the demo I really liked, and I've heard this game's like amazing. It's on like a lot of people's like top 10 of all time. And this game also has like a fucking aesthetic. It's the kind of thing where, you know, you're waiting for your side-scrolling shmup level to load, and the loading screen will be a pen and ink drawing of a lily on textured paper and it's like hell yeah man and there's just something about it like 
something about it feels kind of final. Like the opening is this really hype, like introduction of ore type and going through all the different ore type ships throughout all the years. And then it ends of this, it ends on this shot of this ore type ship that's just destroyed in just this endless ocean. And it's like, whoa, there's like a soul to this game, you know? I'm looking at it here. It looks really impressive in terms of its particles and its effects animation. Yeah, it like it, it definitely has a lot of design that's gone into it. It's maybe not like the most impressive looking thing, but um, the gameplay is like really intricate as well. It's like you can switch between four different speeds and you really have to think like, which speed do you need in this situation? Because if you're too fast, you're going to have trouble controlling it and like weaving between bullets. If you're too slow, you're not going to be able to react to enemies. And it, it's, it's really interesting like for as little as i know about it currently i'm already finding my brain having to make a lot of very like tactical decisions going through these levels seems really cool that's about all i gotta say about it now but yeah emulation is cool it's good but um but it's illegal so no no i don't care but um, um what you're saying about like the PS2 having that aesthetic, it's like like even with a game like or type bringing narrative, I think is such a big thing about PlayStation Two, like aesthetic narrative. Like if you even think of like Ridge Racer and like car rally games, like even Driver. So I have and stuff always like wanted to play those Ridge Racer games because they they do just have this weird fucking vibe, you mm-hmm. know. And like you know, you start off you start off the level and you get this little spiel of text where it's like. The morning sun kissed my face before I descended into the domain of the demon. And then you're just playing a car game. Yep. I love I love that about PS2 games. Yeah, I want to dive in more, but um, I haven't Send encountered me your ISOs. I ha- yeah, sure thing. I will upload them to the drive. Are Are you gonna play Rule of Rose? Yeah, probably, but. It's kind of a shitty game. But... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear that game sucks. Yeah, yeah. But, okay, um... so so I, I sent you a picture earlier on of Rule of Rose secondhand in CEX. Is it CEX or Sex? It's, it's, it's sex, actually but sex. I refuse to call it that, so yeah. it's CEX. So it was 575 euro. It's bullshit, and it's a really bashed up, manky copy of Rule of Rose. Yeah, it's got like a fold in the... Yeah. Doesn't look the best. But um, I was going to say, like... It's been really cool, like, playing these games and stuff and, like, revisiting stuff like Tekken 4, just discovering stuff like Ortype. But a couple of times I've also hit what feels like the limit of emulation. Mm. Like, Brian, I downloaded Guitaro Man. Is that chugging? Completely unplayable. Like, not not chugging, but just the latency between the controller, like, you know, the way emulations... Yeah, yeah. Are. It just doesn't work. Yeah, because I, I, I got a GameCube emulator working pretty well on my Mac here. Or, or sorry, my other MacBook, because I want to play Paper Mario Thousand Year Door again at some point, but I want to play it with a fan patch that has better dialogue. Better dialogue? Better pronouns. Sure. Um, because I just, I, I, I like replaying that game, but I want to just play a slightly different version of it. Yeah, okay. And so like... I've also, and like, there's a couple of things as well. For some reason, when I play tech and tag on it, when I press triangle, it, it like, it doesn't work. Mm. And I can't figure out why that's happening. And then, like, I'm having problems with, like, the dead low, dead zones on the analog sticks and all this kind of mm. stuff. And it actually, you know, I've never understood, like, why people get so passionate about retro hardware and, like, misters and, like, having a SCART monitor. Like, I just, I just never cared this is bringing me around to that because I'm like, oh, 
that is the perfect way to experience these games, you know? And now I'm kind of eyeing up scart monitors and I'm like, mm, Yeah, I saw a CRT in um, a, a back room of a place I was in recently and my mind just went, you could steal that. And I was like, no, Neve, stop. So Neve, what but, you absolutely don't want to do is like look up comparison photos of what these games look like on a CRT and what they look like now. Oh, I've seen them. I follow not, the Twitter. I'm not even saying they look better now. But they don't look the same. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is putting me down a very dark path. But also, there's so many great games on the PlayStation 2. They're just trapped there. Yeah. So fucking yeah. pirate that shit. Yep. As much as I like the Final Fantasy X uh, HD remaster, they fucked up Titus's face so bad. I hate it so much. It makes it unplayable for me. So I, I try and play it on the PS2 whenever I replay it. I was talking to Rebecca about Tekken Tag 2. That game, I don't know, I think it might be on Steam, but on consoles it is stuck on PS3, 360. And that game... And Wii U. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was a launch title and on that, Wii U. And that game fucking rules. That is yeah. one of the it's best one of the best Tekken. Tekken's. Yeah. The endings in that game are amazing. Can you play it in the... Uh, was it Tekken 6 that let you play all the old games? I can never remember if that's 6 or 7. Yeah. Maybe you can play it in there. You can't play Tekken Tag 2 on that console. Oh, okay. Yeah. But see, the thing is, is that like sometimes these ga- these fighting games do get a re-release. Like Persona 4 Arena Ultimax Suplex Hold got re-released on the PS5 and Xbox Series X and Steam. Yeah. Like Nam- a couple, Namco, couple months ago. Namco are weird like that, though. Because like Namco may, like publish so many games, yeah. they're, they're they I'd say they do like ten games a year. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. But yeah, it's been fun. Quick time events. We got some news. Um, what we got? The news is kind of lame at the moment. Video games. Okay, so like Tokyo Game Show is gonna happen soon, and I think there's Gamescom as well. Did that happen Gamescom happened. Oh my god, that already... Yeah, we, we basically, we went through kind of stuff that kind of half interested oh, us last yes, time. Oh yes, 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 you're right. The uh, answer was not much. Not much. So so we have TGS later in September, but at the moment it just seems like lame news is coming out about consoles and game series. So I guess the first one of them here is the PlayStation 5 price hike that is happening later this year in certain territories. Europe is one of them. It's going up 50 euro because the labor and parts of the console are too expensive and so they have to increase the price of it. Um, so the PlayStation 5 will be out two years in November of this year. Yeah. Which is surreal that two years after the launch of a console, the price is inflating. Yeah. It's usually like the first six months it's hard to I find a console. I remember that ever happening. Yeah, it's never. No, I, I usually they happened. do a price drop, but we live in weird times. Uh, what I really hate about this is in the US market, they aren't adding that 50 extra onto it. Um, I think that's bullshit. And, and they'll the say, US and Europe are pretty even at no, the they, they they were at parity with each other as well. So it's just like, it's just, it makes no sense. Um, I think it's really annoying because some people can't get a PS5 still. So it's kind of like you've been trying all this time and now they've added like another fucking 50 euro on top of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I th- I think Sony make enough money that they could eat this. They could eat this cost and they're not going, they're passing it on to the consumer Yeah, Sony instead. are doing just fine. Mm-hmm. With their fucking eighty dollar games, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I thought this was a really uh, shitty thing to do, pass on to the consumer. And is this affecting? I wonder, is this affecting the discless model as well, or is it the disc only? 
I think it's both of them. They're all they're both yeah, getting. Yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah, because then like hike. an Xbox One S, the Series S is. Yeah. So, if yeah, you yeah, want an Xbox entry Series point S. into this generation, the Series S is a brilliant way to do it. I feel like slowly this generation, Sony have been making, not making moves, but like just feeding a steady audience to Xbox through a series of poor decisions. And like you see it with like the PS Plus stuff as well. They just think they're untouchable, I feel mm. like. It's not the best. Like, okay, they, they like this month they've added Grand Blue Fantasy Versus, which is, which is interesting. That's a cool game. That is a yeah. cool game. Um, they're adding a couple of other games that are part of the extra library next week, I think. They're fine. Scott Pilgrim Arcade games back, so they're going to add it to there. I mean, that was lost for a time, so that's kind of yeah. cool. It's not like the best game, but it looks awesome. Yeah, They added a bunch of the Yakuza games last month. They added like three of them. They, yeah, they but they've given those for free on they the have? on like their service like forever, mm -hmm. and they've been on like Game Pass. Like they're just anyone who's wanted to play Yakuza has played Yakuza. Yep, I should play more Yakuza. It's just something you put on your menu, and you're like, there it is. Mm -hmm. I'm just hoarding digitally. Yeah, I think I own all the Yakuza games just because I need to know they're there. Yeah, I need to finish Judge Eyes. <laughs> Judge Eyes two. Yeah, Judges 1 bad, Judges 2 very good. Um, the next quick time event is the Halo roadmap is sad. I saw a bit of this. What are they doing here? I don't know. Okay, so... The, uh, I know nothing about this. The length of a Halo season. So Halo is a free-to-play game with paid seasons. And that is a new thing they've done. They've never done it before. And it, to me, it's the, the death knell of halo in a way and i know we put it very high on our game of the year but i was riding high on new halo halo's back i regret it i was wrong halo is not doing well and this is a real sign of it i feel like halo came out and everyone was like this is fucking halo this rules yeah. i felt like i left that room for five minutes and came back to a funeral well this is the thing it plays great like halo plays good Everything else they're doing around it to give it longevity, they are failing at spectacularly and they are hemorrhaging players. I have not played Halo in three months. I like Halo is something I play until something like stops me from playing Halo. I just always go back to Halo and I just haven't had the drive. So what they've been doing with their kind of seasons is they're six months long, which is long for a season. And it's a hundred level season. And I stopped playing this when I got to level 60 because I was like, I'm burning through it. I need to, I need to stop myself, you know? I don't like the armor they're giving you in this season. I don't like, like, I don't think it's aesthetically interesting. I don't think it's good rewards for all the work you put into it. And it didn't interest me, but I was like, I better slow down because it gives me a carrot to chase after. They are delaying season three. So instead of six months, it's going to be a 10 month wait oh, for the next season. They know this is bad, so they're doing a winter update in November that will add two new maps and will give a 30 level pass. And occasionally they throw in like a 10 um, tier pass uh, where you get different armor and stuff. They're also putting Forge mode into it and the campaign online co-op. Uh, they have completely cancelled the split-screen local co-op, which is really disappointing for a lot of people. A lot of people who like Halo like playing it split-screen. They didn't have it in Halo 5, and that was a big issue for the community. It's also frustrating because modders have managed to mod this into the game. Okay. 
So people are like, this is doable, you know, and it's a bit frustrating. But yeah, I don't know. Halo is in a tricky place. The devs know it. The community knows it. It feels what you're playing for feels really inconsequential. I would love if they brought stuff back from old Halos, like just medals. Like if I get 200 grenade kills, just give me a little medal under my name so people will know I'm the grenade girl. Because I used to love seeing that shit. Like, you know, someone would kill you and you'd be able to check their profile really quickly. And you're like, oh shit, they're, they're a person with like a gold sniper medal. If they have a sniper rifle, you're fucked. And it kind of gives you a sense to look out for that person. And that person is a danger with that sure, weapon. Sure, yeah, yeah. They don't have anything like that. It's all cosmetics and it's all expensive cosmetics in a store and shit that you unlock after long grinds. And I don't know, it's just, I feel like there's such little things they could be doing to make this a more, give this game longevity. And right now, I like, I can't imagine what those lobbies are looking at. They were pretty empty by the time I was getting sick of it. Uh, it was I was playing the same people over and over again in quick play. So we'll see, I will go back for the winter update. Um, just because the two new maps. I wish they were just doing map packs. Like give me a 10 map map pack and I'd be so much happier than waiting 10 months for another 100 tiers of armor I don't give a shit about. But uh, yeah, Halo, not in a good place. It makes me wonder like, what are Microsoft putting into Halo? Cause I mean, it's Halo, you know? But then part of me is like, maybe this just isn't what Microsoft are putting their resources into. Maybe they're like, Game Pass is the thing, you know? It is a game on Game Pass for people. Mm -hmm. It's it's not, it's definitely not treated like the system seller it once was. No. And it's, it's just crazy, like, because, yeah, that initial wave was so high. Um, I got one other quick news item. Uh, there was a Kickstarter campaign for a spiritual successor to Wild Arms and Shadow Hearts. Oh, this looks cool. They launched a double Kickstarter campaign. And when I saw this, I was so excited. I love Shadow Hearts so much. I love Shadow Hearts 1 and 2. You don't like Wild yeah. Arms, but you do love Cowboys. I... I've played Wild Arms Tree and I liked that one. I just, it was not a JRPG series that I had access to. Right. So I, I I went back and played three and I was like, yeah. Um, so I'm super excited for Pennyblood, which is the spiritual successor to the Shadow Hearts series. I kind of vowed never to do Kickstarter game stuff anymore because I don't know, it just doesn't end well. And when I was reading this Kickstarter, I wasn't really, I wasn't given a lot of hope. Like, what do you think the budget would be for two JRPGs? So you're talking two games? Yeah, two games. They're oh, co-producing, they're doing them together. Six to 10 million. Okay. Yeah. So, Millions is what we need to be. Like, like, like Shenmue 3 was six million. What about three quarters of a million? That's not a video game budget. I know, that, no. I saw that and I was like, that is not a budget and not only, was it that like all their they have like you know if they if they exceed that which they have they've gone over a million thankfully um it's all these like campaign stuff like so hang on hang on oh, so this is for this is for two games this is for two games so in other words so if they've raised a million they've raised half a million for each game yeah do, do, do that's these games, not a budget do these games have very different aesthetics oh they're completely different okay like, so there's nothing shadow hearts can... is like gothy uh, like like eight head high like kind of these like are, these are 3d semi-realistic okay. games. yeah uh, okay and like are they gonna use the same engine 
they're yeah they're using the same engine okay. and it's the same team will move from the wild arm ones from arm fantasia onto penny blood when they're done but like this means that one game is going to get prioritized over the other yeah. and the other one is going to get the shaft pretty much and it's sadly penny blood because uh, it seems to be the least further along but it's also they just have all these like social media stretch things like every week we'll do this social media thing where there'll be a monster and then you can like depending on how much was donated you can like oh a combo meter will be so hard to maintain that's what i mean and they're doing it weekly and i get conceptually that might be a good idea for someone but just let the fucking people work on the game like and stop interrupting yeah and social media managers just tweet out some screenshots shots like once every four months people want the game they don't want this kind of like shit a or g like just make the games so <laughs> without without saying too much as someone who has recently spent a lot of time arguing with social media managers i fucking hate this shit so much it's like just make a fucking good thing and sell it and yeah put it out there promote it in interesting ways not everything has to be a fucking like poll in yeah. a discord or like a community engagement mm-hmm. fuck off like no yeah most people who have played um wild arms and shadow hearts they're in their 30s they are not on your discord weekly looking for engagement with no, this shit no they're adults who are busy yeah i just want to give you my money and then hopefully in like three to 15 years managing social media stuff is really tough and like there are i have met people who are really excellent about this job and who really give a shit about it in interesting ways and like bolstering a good community and stuff i've also met people who i swear to god it feels like they don't know what else to do with the companies they set up these arbitrary goals like fucking you know these engagement polls or whatever and they they just do them so at the end of the month they have something to show their boss and be like i did this yeah yeah so yeah this feels like it was to fill a paragraph of what you get and it was just like if you donate this much you get to be involved in this shit and it's just like i guarantee no one wants this they just want the games yeah uh so my idealized version of this i i am excited i hope it comes out the reality version of kickstarter games and two massive jrpgs being made with this small a budget i'm like this is i may as well just like set my money on fire but i i backed it I so backed just, it just, just, just <laughs> you gotta back it yeah. just to contextualize that a bit I, there's like a really good analogy and i'm i'm definitely going to get the figures wrong here because it's been a while but someone basically said like okay take super metroid here's how much super metroid costs to make it's about three million so you're telling me that for a sixth of the price of Super Metroid, you're going to make two JRPGs. It's just not going to happen. It's not realistic. Yeah. Speaking of not realistic, we also have the the, the Silent Hill leaked images here. Um, I'm just going to see the last time I talked about Silent Hill 2 leak. I got nothing to say. I got no thoughts. When that game is announced, I'll have thoughts. What do you think, Neve? It was like they're from an internal pitch from Bloober Team. Seemily is where these images come from. Um, they look over the shoulder a la like Resident Evil, Resident Evil 2 remake. I don't know. I'll play it if it comes out. If it comes out. Oh, I'll definitely play it if it comes out. In fact, I'll play all of Blooper Team's games. That's the news. It's going to be a very boring time for you. Yeah, I know. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> Emails. Emails. 
Brian, you got your little, you got your little email pouch. I do. Digging around in it. When I say pouch, Brian's email pouch is like a kangaroo kind of situation. Like yeah, it's, it's a part of him. It's mm-hmm. it's organic. And it's sometimes, a flesh pocket. Sometimes he asks us to reach in, and it's real. It's real gooey. It's mm-hmm. gooey. It's kind of like a big belly button. Yeah. Smells like one too. Yeah, and I'm, we're like Brian. No, please. And he'll be like, "There's too many in there. We gotta get some out." You know, some marsupials. I, I found a super interesting. Some marsupials, their pouches face the other way. So. A kangaroo, right? Yeah. They have their pouch so that they can like, so so it, it, they're, they're, they're like a pants pocket. Yeah. They can put their paws in and put their joey in and so on and so forth. Take, take the joey out. So you couldn't like crawl inside uh, a kangaroo from its pouch. That's not how that works. But other... Right? You... I mean, you'd be too big. I mean, like crawl like into its like guts and stuff. No, 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 no. Okay. No, because no, because whole... I always worried wonder, wondered what the goo was. No, oh, okay. So the way marsupials work is that they are like mammals, but the fetus in its last third of the gestation cycle exits the vagina and crawls up into the mother's pouch. So you could yeah. totally get into the guts. No, no, it comes out of the guts and into the pouch and, and it does its last Okay, so last, at any time this, this little this little fetus minion is it outside the body? Yeah. yeah. So and, and, and it's like a little bean that crawls up. Yeah, so it's outside imagine well, okay, if you had where, where, a flesh crawl- pocket. No, when it's when it's crawl so is it going straight from the vagine <laughs> To the pouch, or is it going vagine outside world? Yes, pouch. Vagine outside world. How does it crawl up. in then? It, 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 cl- it literally climbs up the the, yeah. the mother's body and gets it's, into it's the pouch. Nuts. It the, knows and, how and to the, get the, in and there. The yeah. mother does, it, it, and the mother doesn't just like grab it and no, shove no, it in. No, she no, she's like eating. She's just minding her own business. And, and, and this and, like, like the little small, Joey is climbing like, Joey up, like is like like, yeah. like like in the shadow the Colossus game exactly. And they're gripping on like it's a real testament to that like unborn animal that's still like that a would fetus. that would fuck me up. I'm gonna be worried that's gonna it's happen. It's like. Australia has some wild animals. So yeah. then... Uh, I think if an animal is too weird, you shouldn't let it exist. Okay, okay. So then there's another marsupial called the wombat. Okay. They're mm-hmm. kind of like a badger. You know, they walk I love wombats. They're so uh, cute. So their pouches face the other way. They face towards the anus. Oh. <laughs> and that's because wombats are burrowing marsupials. Okay. So if they would be digging, they'd be filling oh, up the pouch. Dirt, yeah. It would fill up with dirt. So they have evolved in a way that their wow. pouch faces the other way. So that that way their joey isn't getting fucking caked in dirt. Gross. And also wombats' shits are cubes. They have corners. Incredible. Like, <laughs> Nature what? is beautiful. What the <laughs> fuck is going on with marsupials? I love yeah. wombats so much. What, what, are, what, what, what are some other marsupials? Uh, what's the smaller kangaroo? One and one of them went missing recently. Uh, like the whole species? No, no. There, there is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna pause for a while. Let's let's just do a bit of marsupials. When you say pause, you're not pausing the podcast. A wallaby. Wallabies are. We're still recording, right, friend? Yeah, we are. People uh, don't want to miss this shit. A wallaby is like a smaller kangaroo, from what I remember. Like they, they're, 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 you know, like a horse and a pony, yeah. a wallaby and a kangaroo. So what's a platypus? Actually, no, platypuses. They don't. They're not real. They're, they're not marsupials. Uh, another they're, they marsupial don't, they don't exist. is they're like, like unicorns. Is I think are Tasmanian devils marsupials? Like they're so angry that they don't seem like they would be, but I think they are. Uh is a Tasmanian a marsupial? 
uh, it's a carnivorous, carnivorous marsupial. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Emails. So it's ask let's fight a boss at gmail.com. Ask let's fight a boss at gmail.com. Can you tell us about your most interesting animal facts? And they do you know what? Some of them could be lies. Oh yeah, yeah. I encourage it. Tell us three animal facts, two truths, and a lie, and we'll figure out which one is the lie. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. I've always wanted to play two truths and a lie with people I don't know. But I've never it's never come up. Okay. I got a, I got a very got a very good first one here from uh, our buddy George. Okay. Divining the future of Let's Fight a Boss with modern technology. <laughs> to the attention of John, Neov, and Brian, using the finest technology zero dollars can buy. Read uh, an in-browser, uh, an in-browser online predictive text generator demo. I've successfully glimpsed into the future of Let's Fight a Boss and determined what the titles of this and the next several episodes will be. Nice. You can choose to turn back now and forsake this most cursory of glimpses. Never. Oh yeah, no, we're not doing this. Uh, the contents below and willfully take contrary, contrary action. You will have knowingly doomed us all into a splinter timeline. The splinter timeline cannot be any more doomed than the current timeline. That's yeah, uh, I wish I'm okay it, with that. I wish it weren't this way, but unfortunately I don't make the rules and I can't possibly shoulder the burden of this knowledge alone any longer. It's okay, George. So is this based on... So this is episode 169, but is this based on like 168 previous episodes and kind of the lingo that we use and kind of digesting that? I, I guess out? so. I don't really know how it works. And I know we were talking about AI generated stuff. This is a different AI generation. This, this is, is not that. This is the fun kind. This is nonsense. So I have them written below. Do you guys want to know some of them? I want to know all, all of them, them. Brian. Okay, so this episode, 169, and I don't know if this is the working title or not, because I already put in uh, at the top as a working title, The Grenade Girl, because I thought that was really fun. For a second there, I thought that was the AI predictive, and I was like, oh my fucking god, these things are advanced. (laughs) Okay, so episode 169, we have, if you don't like yourself, you don't like me. Episode 170, Sick and Famous. That's a real <laughs> one, yeah. yeah. That's so good. Episode 171, Snack Time. <laughs> Episode 172, So, um, and then in brackets, Illustration. <laughs> <laughs> that checks. Um, there's a lot of S's. Okay. Episode 173, Stone Faced. Maybe, but I think the next one with Stone Faced would work better. Yeah, so episode 174 is Leather Jacket Kid. But I think <laughs> oh my god! Stone Faced Leather Jacket Kid. Yeah. Leather Jacket Kid's real good. That shit crunches. Okay, uh, episode 175, Terrible Speed. <laughs> like, there are two words. I wouldn't really yeah. put them together, but I think that's kind of why it I works. I love this so much. And then uh, episode 176, that's the last one, Joe Mauer. <laughs> Who is he? Who's Joe Mauer? Who's Joe Mauer? Joe Mauer is a fictional bit we do okay, at some point. Okay, I'm just talking about Hey, I'm Joe Mauer. Okay. I'm here to stop the river. Okay, apparently Joe Mauer is a 39-year-old baseball catcher. For uh, He was a professional baseball player. He's not in the league anymore. He's retired. <laughs> not in the league. I don't play baseball. I just spend time strumming my guitar. That's, he, Mr. That's my Joe Mauer. He's due to be in the Hall of Fame in 2024. No, I can't wait. 
Thanks for being good sports. Love, George. Thanks, Thanks George. George. That was so much fun. You that brought me great joy. Fascinating. Uh, technology is a beast we can attempt to tame, but we will be bitten. Okay, John, this next one is just for you. <gasps> it's from Leslie. Hi, John. Thank you for suggesting jujitsu a while ago. I've been inspired to do BJJ, and I've been practicing for a while now. Practicing the BJs? J. Uh, I find myself a bit saddened recently by how I'm at a disadvantage with my petite size compared to the bigger guys who can easily beat me. I know sometimes it's about technique, but strength is a bigger factor in this. What are your thoughts on the matter? Um, okay, I, I would have been curious to hear like how long he's been doing it, but he's totally right. Strength is a huge, huge factor, strength and size in something like jujitsu. And there is really no getting around that. And I understand where he's coming from because like I am a lot smaller than most of the people. Most of the people who stick with jujitsu tend to be quite large because they have a good time because they just get to beat people up, you know? And we're, it, all, we're all about 5'8", five, 5'7", five, five, I am I am just scraping 5'8", I'm probably like 5'7 and a half. Oh my god, you're both liars. I'm 5'6.5 and we're all the we're all the same height. Okay, well then we're all 5'6.5. I am definitely not <laughs> no, this try. is this is some like weird <laughs> trick neva's seen on tiktok i think to i piss have measuring table yeah, over there. yeah. <laughs> let's measure ourselves later yep sure neva i'm gonna measure your arms and legs i need them for something that is you trying to make me pants brian yeah pants. <laughs> okay um do they not have weight divisions in bjj they do have weight divisions in competition but okay. most of what you'll be doing is just rolling with people in a hall okay and so then when you meet another little person in your weight division you're both little angry tanks from all the beatings you've both taken <laughs> um, two little dogs scrapping it out but it, it is it is hard you know and like um what what i always try and do and this this applies for like if i'm um this applies if i'm Neve, you fucked me up with that five, <laughs> five, six. Like, do you, do you know how real I had to get with myself to be like, John, you're not five eight. You're five seven and a half. <laughs> you're Fuck five me. six point five. I am not five six point five. <laughs> I have so much to deal with, Neve. So much, and you won't let me have this one fucking thing. I really, really want to. Look, I it. try and sneak myself up to five seven all the time, and Rebecca goes, ah ah ah. I'm 5'7", you're 5'6.5". Rebecca's slightly taller than <laughs> That's what I'm saying. She's so she's, tall. That's the half inch. But we can wear shoes, right? <laughs> John, you gotta pop, you've, got, you've already got the shoes off. off. <laughs> okay, I, I'm gonna get the tape out in a bit and we'll do a little bit of, do a bit of measuring. I wanna see how you, uh, how you seat, okay. how you dress. Sorry, I didn't know I was fucking up your day. <laughs> All guys, it just, girls, girls can be cute, guys can't. I want to see how you land. I want to see which side it favors. Unless you're Brian and you just don't care at all. <laughs> I think that's the way to be. Just have terrible I, I posture like me. <laughs> just always hunch. I'm just, I'm such a little, like, square. Like a physical square. Yeah, you're like a tank. Yeah. That's cool, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm cool, little I tank. I'm pretty cool. <laughs> but, um... So, like, the philosophy I always have when taking on, like, a bigger guy, and this this would be, like, whether he's more or less experienced than me, if I can draw with that person, that's a huge mark for me. And, like, at this mm -hmm. stage, you know, I did for jiu-jitsu for two years before the pandemic. I've been doing it for a couple of months now that I'm back. Like, I'm really proud of when I can get a guy who's, like, two foot, or, like, a foot or two taller than me, and, like, I can fight him to a draw I feel super fucking good about that and like even you know 
when you take that mindset, it's not you versus them. It's you kind of versus yourself because you're like, okay, I'm not going to let this guy get me. And like even last week I had a match with the huge fucking guy. And there was one bit where like just he had me pinned and like his shoulder was in my face. And like I was not necessarily being smothered, but the the opportunities to breathe were limited. And sometimes like I would just get covered. And like, I was like, okay, I've lasted, this this guy is like a foot taller than me. I have last, he's like, I don't know, 30 or 40 kilos heavier than me. I have lasted five minutes with him. And like, I looked over at the clock and there was 40 seconds left. And I was like, I am lasting these fucking 40 minutes. Like I am going to do this. And I did, and that felt amazing. And so like, I think what you need to do is like, Try and shift your mindset from beating people and try and shift it to be like, how do I survive against this person? Because if you're much smaller than them and all you do is survive, that is fucking incredible. You know, that is really, really cool. And like, like I, I get it, it is hard. And like, even when I've been back, you know, I was I was 30 pounds heavier when I did jujitsu before. And like, I had a lot more muscle then than I do now. And like, there's a lot of situations I could just pull those out of that I can't anymore. And sometimes that's hard, but like, you have to be fair to yourself and like what you can expect. And also like, if you spend long enough at it, a lot of the best people I know who do jiu-jitsu, do jiu-jitsu, like they're not that strong. So there's one guy, he's actually like pretty sickly and he never does big dramatic takedowns. He never picks you up, he'll never charge you. Everything he does is like these little incremental movements. And little by little, he just shuts you down. And before you know it, he's taken away every option you have and he's choking you out. That is fucking magical to me. Like that is what jujitsu is. And so like, I think, focus on just like your own goals and what you want to do and not necessarily being better than you even if like you know they've been doing jiu-jitsu less time than you even if like if, if they have these advantages acknowledge the advantages and accept they're there and work within your limit and look if you get beaten by a guy bigger than you it's fine it doesn't matter like you'll be able to fight him again and like if you've been doing jiu-jitsu for less than a year I wouldn't even say you have the vocabulary to really understand what jujitsu is. Like that was the way it was for me. And so like, you know, just stick with it. Like it's, if jujitsu should feel good, it should be making you feel good. And I think if it's not, you're probably putting undue pressure on yourself. And also that just applies to all of art. So there you go, everyone, that one's free. Give them a little blow on their ear. That's my tip. Just a little. I do like a little blow out my bottom, maybe smelly, and uh, a little windy pop. Brian's tip is a gas. Yeah, just be, mm. just be smelly. Mine is a little, a little love. Just be a bit horny. So I made one fart joke in my entire life. Um, <laughs> in your entire life? My entire life, one fart joke. Um, my cousin had me on the ground and he was like punching me and I had been watching a lot of Pokemon or a lot I had watching a lot of Pokemon and I said coughing use poison gas attack and I better let out a big fart and he ran away <laughs> if that has to be your one it was see, a good one see I'm never one. gonna yeah, top that so. that's good so good mm-hmm. that's a stinker alright and then I was like okay from this point on, fart jokes aren't for me. <laughs> I've peaked. <laughs> it was self-defense. Yeah. 
what else we got, Brian? Okay, this one is from Chris, and I'm gonna elaborate on it, or we're gonna kind of elaborate on it. Okay. It's too specific, we need to generalize it. But it is worst GAA lad slash girl experiences. Also do your best GAA person and impersonation okay ga is gaelic athletics association so this is irish sports so the two ones or i guess the two main ones is gaelic football which is a cross between like soccer and basketball because mm-hmm. you're allowed to bounce the ball twice and then kick it and then there's hurling which i guess is like hockey but like way rougher because the fucking so imagine, the ball imagine, is imagine like, if everyone who played hockey was even more of a psychopath yeah. that's what hurling is there's no protective gear outside of a helmet a lot of people don't even wear the helmet and it is the fastest game on earth they baseball bats smash a leather ball at like 80 miles an hour across a, across a giant field it's, it's quite common in gaa for a lot of the athletes to like at least once a year someone dies in their mid-20s because yeah. they have brain damage from like just not taking care of themselves from mm-hmm. taking too many thumps it's a very, very intense sport. Like like rugby, like like you know the way people compare rugby and American football. When American football you're wearing the gear and rugby, it's like American football without the gear and it's just muscle mass. Like this is just even one step beyond that where it's just like and like this would have been like field training that turned into a sport that the Irish army would have used to like fight anyone who was trying to take over their territory. It's fucking weird. Um, I don't actually have that many like bad experiences with GAA people. I grew up in the city, so I didn't play a lot of GAA. Yeah, it's more of a country thing. Yeah. Um, I've had a lot of bad experiences with sports people, for sure. Yeah. Uh, one of the ones that stands out was when a crowd of like 20 guys followed me and Brian down a London street once and were chanting, Who are ya? Who are ya? Who are? And I was like, Brian, we're going to die. Like, we're actually about to die. <laughs> the, the bottle eaters are going to yeah. <laughs> eat some glass and spit it out at us. Yeah, I, I think rugby has, like, rugby and soccer, football, like, just, they got some nasty supporters. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in terms of, like, sports players, you get a lot of discipline. Sometimes you get people who aren't taking care of their bodies, but for the most part, you get people who are very focused on winning the game. Yeah, like, I think I mostly get on with people who play sport. Less so people who are into sport. Yeah. But yeah. I like I like athletes, and I like hearing about, like, you know how they train and like why they're into the sport they like and all that kind of stuff like i think that's really fascinating there's a story rebecca told me and it's an interesting one that she attended a gaelic football event one time when she was a teenager and she didn't want to go but it was some sort of thing where her school was going so she had to go and she kind of just watched it with her arms folded and she wasn't part of the crowd or part of the energy but she said at the end of it she couldn't remember who won but the winning side their 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 supporters their spectators ran onto the field and started kissing the grass and one guy bit into the grass and had the grass in his mouth and cheered because wow. because they had because that land was now sacred because their team had won which she thought was really dumb but it's also kind of beautiful also kind of beautiful yeah i've known bad experiences with ga well in the sense that like they were the popular people in school because i went to a country school and i was like unpopular but it was i had no bad experience it was more of a coveting like i thought ga girls were the most beautiful girls on the planet so fantastic legs yeah just amazing legs like one of the hottest things i saw as a teenager was uh, my first girlfriend just run over another girl 
just ran over her, <laughs> ran through her in playing Gaelic football. And I was just like, wow, that's so hot and cool. Because <laughs> I was like a, a little wiener and I thought that was amazing. Um, but yeah, like people who play sports, absolutely no problem with them. People who are fans of sport, they suck. <laughs> like I hate being in a pub when sports happening and people are watching it. It's just so annoying. There's a part of me that like never quite understands the emotional connection because like I think like what I lose my mind at and like it's it's you know it's wrestling like I'll lose my mind watching a big wrestling match but I'm losing my mind at the story but they're like my brother's big into Liverpool and it's like it's the history you know it's like can they win the cup and no they can't they never do but like it's like it there is that narrative it's just spread over such a longer space of time kind it's of thing it's crazy how much money is like pumped into premier league football is it's nuts uh what bothers me is when people refer to their team as a we so it's like we won yeah. it's like you can do shit your favorite team won you just sat in your hole i just don't like when sport people talk about sport i'm just like so like a game you know there's yeah. point like we're not I, so I different like, uh, okay, you and so i say say with like soccer I've never had someone sit down and explain to me why soccer is like interesting. And I'm sure it is. Like I've watched World Cup matches. But whatever whatever it is about like the the culture around soccer, but it's just not something not a conversation I've ever had. It's super aggro when people lose or win, something gets broken. Mm-hmm. And that's what I don't like about it. But sometimes, sometimes, and this is maybe reading into things a lot, I do feel like it's this weird, it's the only acceptable form of male emotion, you know? And so you just get these weird concentrated bursts of joy and devastation. And I kind of feel like maybe we should be teaching our men to kind of, you know, just process their emotions. Express that in a different way. It's definitely the contemporary version of like the Gladiator Coliseum because they had to ban them because (laughs) Romans were killing each other. Or Romans were making slaves kill each other. <laughs> but now it's just been replaced with football, but there's still that anger and spite. It's like the idea that you could just trash a city after a match is just like so shit. Yeah, it's a bummer. Or go into another city and just trash that because your team won or lost. And like, I just don't get the logic of like, hey mate, why are you doing that? And they'd be like, well, you know, the man who was meant to block the ball going into the goal and like he's smashing shit. Like, I don't... The worst is when it's a big match in Dublin and the lads are over for the weekend and they'll arrive on the Friday and they're just fucking mental. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I think it's that scary like male energy where there's a group of five really loud guys who are just like, they're drinking, they're here for a party, but they make everyone involved in their party. And you're just like, I just- trying- That is the fucking worst. I'm just trying to get somewhere. And it's just like, you they're, they're kind of forcing you to engage with their Do you remember we went to for dinner a while ago with, with everyone mm-hmm. um, and there was this one guy there it was like right after things started opening up again and there was this one guy there and he he had to make everyone part of his weird drunken thing yeah <laughs> and if someone wasn't like up for talking to him you were the problem yeah oh yeah and yeah. then defensive and anger and oh, you're just like oh just am I gonna just like get that. punched by a guy into soccer tonight part of me is like okay I wanna go beat the shit out of that guy and then the part of me is like he wants to fight so badly though, yeah you know yeah. yeah I think it's like yeah that kind of outlet for aggression and stuff like that this is not the question you asked but like this is my problem with sports people it's not people who like enjoy playing sport it's just like everything else around it sometimes Sometimes. It's just like, calm down. No one's gonna like flip a table over D&D. But 
you will feel unsafe on the street if there's a match on. Yeah. You guys want to do one more? Yeah, I got one here. It's rapid fire questions from AJ. Nice. We have to use our brains for some of them. We got to think. Okay. Okay. So let's try our best. Okay. I do like the names though. Hello, Bush Squatter, Wario's other friend, and the best lesbian. Which one am I? The best, best lesbian. lesbian. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That <laughs> I'm <checks>. Bush Squatter. <laughs> yeah, that checks. Wario. Yeah, there we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Here are some sort of rapid fire questions because life is constantly in flux and hearing you all answer strange nonsense helps with that. Me too. That, yeah, fair enough. Okay, what's your favorite musically terrible song to listen to when you're in a funk? I feel like all the music I listen to is terrible. So is it not all good though, Neve? because you listen to it? Yeah, I enjoy it, but then I have to play it for another person and they're like, what the fuck do you listen to? And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I don't know. I don't think anything I listen to is bad, but I know it's the kind of stuff other people would think is bad. I'm sure people think that Bomb Funk MCM's Freestyler isn't a good song. They're fucking wrong. They're wrong, yeah. I've been listening to, um, Britney did a feature on the Elton John song, like, Hold Me Closer, Tiny Dancer, and it's like Britney's first music since 2016, so it's really exciting to hear her. But I fucking hate Tiny Dancer as a song, because I keep imagining, like, Elton John is like five foot six, so Tiny Dancer has to be even smaller so than that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Tiny Dancer is really tiny. Um, so I just I hate the lyrics of Tiny Dancer, but I've been listening to it nonstop, like for Britney. So when I'm a funk currently, I'm listening to "Hold Me Closer" Elton John featuring Britney. Uh, what happens to me is I have a, I'll get a song stuck in my head, and the only way I can get it out is I have to play the song and sing along to it in the kitchen and just fucking like own it and fall in love with it and then like discard it have you guys listened to the seabat song that's gone viral yeah that 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 whole the sex playlist thing brian have you not heard about this this is so funny oh my god okay i'm gonna send you the tweet okay this happened a few days ago but this guy has been like having sex with his girlfriend for two years to the worst song in the world and she finally told him that she hated it and to stop and he was very upset about it so he went to reddit and met a whole post about it and even when they this weren't like listening yeah. Okay, yeah and when they weren't listening even listening to the music he was still like having sex with her in the rhythm to the song but the song brian the song is so bad and it's let's, gone let's, like it's gone let's do it. let's it's do like it. it's, and she knew that he was having sex to the song yep so you lay your beloved down oh yeah no I'm getting in the groove hot loving Is that the penis? <laughs> yeah, Brian, that's that's the penis. It How sounds do you like put this on a sex playlist. It sounds like seal yeah, clubbing. Just, 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 it's <laughs> good. Just use the Silent Hill soundtrack like everyone else. This sounds like the music for a trailer that Seth Rogen and Jonah Hill were in in 2015. <laughs> And it's called, like, The Guys From Next Door. And that's the music where it's like, you know, it's like, and we gotta pull a prank. And then that music goes, 
cuts to like a few different shots of them yeah. dancing in silly outfits. Yeah. yeah, it's like, we're not doing the clown bit. It's like, but clowns are funny. <laughs> 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 Do you know Seth Rogen and Nathan Fielder were in the same comedy high school sketch club? No. Seth Rogen was the captain. The broken it? Yeah, that, that checks. Um, they're, they're in a Christmas movie that's only okay and Nathan Fielder is like a supporting act in it. But I think on Nathan Fielder's YouTube channel, there's a bit where he interviews all of them and it's he's just trying to piss them off. It's, but it's wild. That's They feel like opposite energies. Oh yeah, for sure. They have a really like strong... like animosity energy when they're in interviews but in a way that makes me feel like they probably get on pretty well i'd say they do it's probably it's it's like that what's it zach galifianakis between two ferns it's a lot of that kind of that one with him and obama is still really funny oh that's brilliant okay aj (laughs) asks second rapid fire question okay How's the taste of water in Ireland compared to other countries you visited? Our water is fantastic. Yeah, our water is lovely. Yeah, it's, it's way really better than America's water. America, yeah. your water is petrol. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Different areas in Ireland, you'll have different type of rocks. So you might have like more like hard water, like with limestone and stuff like that, or soft water. Um, so some places like filter it, but it's all drinkable and it's all great. Our water is so good that it's branded as Ishka, but it's spelt wrong because Ishka is the Irish for water. And you see it abroad in other countries and you're like, I guess Ireland has water we're surrounded by it i have i don't know what it is i have heard sam hayne said unironically so much in the last month they just they just think it's how you say it fuck's sake i don't know why that pisses me off it does because it's annoying just google it yeah. Like when I don't know how to pronounce a name, I try my best to Google it and like have like the YouTube computer lady pronounce it back yeah. to me. And then I listen to three of those and take the one that was said more. And like, I don't know, just just try, just Google it. How do you pronounce Sam Hain? It's Samhain. Yeah. Uh, if you could give someone you don't like a loud, silly hair color they have to wear for the rest of their life, who would it be? I wouldn't give them a loud, silly hair color. That sounds fun. I'd give them a boring hair color. Yeah. And be like, no, no one's going to notice you. Kanye West, give them the most boring hair ever. I feel yeah. like like, like to destroy Re- my girlfriend Rebecca's life, I would doom her to having brown hair for the rest of her she's, life. She's just going to be a brown like, hair like, chan. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm a blonde now. I fucking love it. People, are, people treat you so different. I never want to go back. He's having fun. I'm having fun. Okay. Do you think people that live out of spite live longer than the people who don't? That's negative energy, so I don't know. I think posy vibes. Live. I think yeah, I think posy vibes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I think if something is living rent free in your head, that is consuming you. And I just think if you live a peaceful life and that is mm-hmm. peaceful mentally, you are gonna like, live longer. I don't I don't even get like kind of you know people who succeed out of spite. I don't understand that either. It, it, Me neither. Yeah. Like you see those posts and it's like, my bullies said I'd never succeed. And it's just like, oh, girl, you're, you're like 30. Let it go. Your bullies <laughs> still own you, you weirdo. Yeah, like your you're bullies obsessed. forgot. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I guess that's a positive story. If you think, thinking about that all the time and putting all your success down to beating your bullies. I do. I do have a friend who is an e-girl and once she tweeted that going to my high school reunion tonight i'm super rich and have giant titties so fuck them and i thought i was like you know what fair enough yeah it's a good it's a good feeling when that happens i guess okay what's the best cheese i like a, i like a feta uh i i, I uh, 
I would eat a good mozzarella like a fucking apple. Whatever cheese is in burritos. <laughs> Grated. No. Uh, probably, I, like, I think they put fat in burritos. Some of them, yeah. Yeah. I like white cheddar. No, red cheddar. I want red cheddar. I want it to have a kick. When I have red cheddar, or when I have cheddar at all, I want it to be like the maturest cheddar. Oh, yeah. oh. Uh, Ireland does good cheese. Yep. Okay. Uh, you could be in the audience for one game of a sports anime. Which anime uh, and do you think you would survive? Can this be like, do you want, do you want, John, do you want like Yakusho Dark Tournament Saga? Oh, that's, that's the answer, but it is sports and that's not sports. It's not? Yeah, and also like half the audience die. Yeah, exactly. Every... Yeah, yeah, they keep getting obliterated. Yeah. Like comets keep... Tagoro is just so strong. Those ki- those Ice Shield 21 kids always seem like they're having a good time. They are. Gantz doesn't count, and I don't want to be a bystander in a Gantz battle. No. A Pokemon tournament could be yeah. fun. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. I'd love to go to Pokemon League. Sit that one out. Like, I want to see who won between that. No, wait. Do 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 we know who won between the, the Gengar and Nidoran in the first episode of Pokemon? Gengar wins, doesn't he? I don't think we ever found out. No? So maybe I'm sure they've done it at some point. Yeah. How's, a, how's Nidoran going to be the Gengar? Yeah, normal. Poison? It's not going to work against him. No. He's got the advantage. Yeah, I, th- I think Ice Shield would be fun because like it's going to be in slow motion the whole yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, it's going to so be So you good. can just really enjoy your drink. I mean, Ippo would be pretty fun too. But yeah. what I love about Ippo is all the weird slow motion shit that happens. And if I was in the crowd, I'd just be watching a boxing match. What's that wrestling manga that... Ultimate Muscle? Ultimate Muscle. Yeah. Oh, that'd be pretty good. Uh, I wouldn't mind being on a red line. Uh, I wouldn't mind watching Red Line. Oh, fuck it. No, no. Okay, forget everything. Grappler Baki. Grappler fucking Baki. <laughs> yeah. Do you think you'd survive that? No, the audience don't die in Grappler Baki. Grappler Baki. Ba- Grappler Baki is real, Neve. Grappler Baki could happen. That man turned his face into diamonds. Cool. Okay, deal or no deal. You, you could talk to ghosts, but that little prick Casper has to crash on your couch for life. No deal. No, no deal. No, Even ignoring them. the Casper I, I, I thing, I don't have like time to talk to ghosts. No. I don't need any more friends. Yeah, I talk to fight people. That's yeah. Uh, ghosts are a constant factor in my relationship with Michelle, and I don't want to make that worse. No, you, you don't. You don't want to stir that pot. No. Okay. Would you, as individuals or a trio, ever like to host a game show? Yeah. No. I would. No. I'd love to host a game show. I think you'd be great at it, Brian. Thanks. I. I I have I do not I do not have game show energy, you know what I mean? You do, you can work a crowd. Yeah, I, I can I can work a crowd, but if I ever had to like I could probably do it, but it's just not the kind of crowd interaction. I like the crowd to be a little scared. You know, you know my favorite thing to do with a crowd? I like to stand up in front of them and just look out at the crowd until everyone goes silent. I don't like to say, I'm gonna start now, I don't like to do end, and then I just like to begin. But that moment where an entire room of people just goes fucking quiet, I love that so much. I'd love a game show that was like really surreal, so like like shooting stars or like Eric Andre, where it's just like it has the structure of what is conceivably a normal game show, but it's just broken. So Neve. You'd never host a game show. No. What if everyone in the audience was a woman? Do I win them as a prize? If you want, it's your show. 
Um, no, I just like, I, 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 I don't care. So I would just be like, I don't care about what the answer is or the question and walk off. I'd drop, drop like, the mic and leave. Okay, Mim, Mim, how about like you're like Scylla Black and you're hosting Blind Date? Yes, I'll do Blind Date. I'll do, yes, yes, yes. Brian, yes, I yes. I knew, Scylla I, Black. I knew there was a combination. Blind Date, Neve does have vague. She loves Scylla Black. Yeah. I, I used to watch it all the time. It's Brian. so yeah, funny. It's so good. I think I would be good at like, at, like at pairing people up and asking dating questions. That would be great. I like that one. See, this side of it as well is there's nothing I care about less on this earth than trivia. Yeah. yeah. I despite Brian, you love trivia. Love it. Yeah. Wombats, shit, square cubes, square. I like when <laughs> Brian tells me trivia. Yeah, no, you I, know? Like, I like when Brian tells but what I hate, like, uh, what actor appeared in this movie? Leonardo DiCaprio. And you're just fucking sitting there being like, do I remember this or not? I don't think I do. And that that's the game. That's the whole fucking game. And I'm it's... like, I'm like, time to access my movie palace. <laughs> and I'm going through like a Rolodex and I'm like, Russell Crowe was in Master and Commander. <laughs> oh, okay. Do you guys see that like promo photo for Brendan Fraser's new movie, The Whale? Yeah. No. Oh, it looks so good. It's the new Darren Aronofsky film. He, <gasps> made, uh, he made like The Wrestler and Black Swan. And his next movie, it just showed at Venice Film Festival, but it's not out in regular cinemas until the end of the year. But it's called The Whale, and it stars Brendan Fraser in like a comeback role. And he plays like a morbidly obese man who's been like overeating uh, after the fallout between him and uh, a male partner. Is it this image? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's, and, and, that's amazing. And so what it is, it's Brendan Fraser, um, and he's put on weight, but I think they've added prosthetics as well. He's in a fat suit. That's 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 the kind of thing that like I like I really want Brendan Fraser to succeed in this to be a good comeback movie. And I think like with this director, yeah, um, like I love the wrestler and Black Swan. Oh, yeah, that, I think it would be great. But I also think like I don't know. This is kind of like I hope they deal with the 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 fatness part of it in a way that is not terrible. But who knows? The fact that it's called the whale yeah. is kind of like, is that like on purpose or what are you doing with that? Mm-hmm. But it's going to be an intense film. Here's a quote here. I looked at other bodysuits that had been used in comedies over the years, usually for a one note joke. I hope that's an indication that it's not like a one note joke. I think bodysuits in general are kind of just not great. Yeah, I'm hoping this is like Let's a... hire ref- a fat actor. Yeah. Anyway. But like, like... Brendan Fraser is a bigger guy. He's, he's, he's not George of the Jungle anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh, fucking Brendan Fraser in George of the Jungle. Yeah. Oh my Brendan God. Fraser, like 20 to 25 years ago, even just like 90s Brendan Fraser and early 2000s Brendan Fraser was the hottest. Can't remember if I talked about Bedazzled on this podcast, but there's a bit in Bedazzled where they turn him super attractive. Like that's the point. Yeah. And you're like, he's already attractive. And then you fucking mm-hmm. see him. Mm. Um... He's so good in uh, in Encino Man as a caveman. Like he just fits the caveman role. There's a really good film actually he's in with Ian McKellen called uh, Of Gods and Monsters, and Ian McKellen plays James Whale, who directed the Frankenstein movies, and he's like, it's him as an older man in I think it's like 1950s 1960s Hollywood when he's retired, and now he's just like a dirty old man, like a dirty gay old man. And he just like, cause he, and he's just really, really horny for like the male image, the male physique. And he hires Brendan Fraser as his gardener, and he just gets real fucking horny for him. Speaking of dirty gay old men, Patreon shoutouts. <laughs> 
okay. They, they are. They, they that, absolutely. That's fine. That okay. Yeah. We can do that. Yeah, those, cool. Those, okay. Yeah. Cool. Thanks everyone. It's been cool. Um, thank you, AJ from AZ, and you're right. That would be the perfect Tomb Raider game. What, what was that? Um, if the next Lara Croft game were just uh, Golgo 13, but it's Lara and she's a lesbian, would that be the perfect Tomb Raider game? Yeah. Um, we, we got a Patreon. We do. Thanks to all the new people recently. We really, really appreciate it. Those little rapscallions. Those little rapscallions. They just want their Zeno Chronicle broadcast. They, they want their Zeno Gears. Is that what it is That's now? what it is. That's Zeno what it Gears is. The PlayStation Chronicles. 1. Yep, that's it. That's the one. Uh, they want that shite. That is not the one in case you subscribe to our Patreon hoping for that. No. Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Yes. Yeah. Starring Neov and our editor, Oni. Mm-hmm. So if you want to know more about the mysterious Oni, you can access that podcast on our hear- Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash LFAB. You can hear his lovely soft voice. His tender vocal cords upon your ears. Hi! We have a section called Patreon Shoutouts. It sounds something like this. Neov, you got the first one. Oh no. <laughs> it doesn't sound like that, but it sounds like this. This is from Todd Howard. No, no way. Wow. Oh, I am so sorry for everything I've said about your games, Todd. Uh, play Tony Hawk's Underground, or else I'll swim to Ireland and make myself a slightly uncomfortable presence in your lives. Like a great aunt that you have to see for the holidays, but you don't actually know how they're related to you, and you've literally never seen them anywhere but family gatherings. That's Todd Howard, all right. Yeah. Uh, have you guys played Thug 1 or Thug 2? Never, actually. They're fucking brilliant. They have a character creator and it's the first... I think it's the first time um, you can actually get off the skateboard and it just like sticks to your back like a backpack. Mm-hmm. But Tony Hawk's Underground 2 is more or less like a CKY jackass game because most of the skateboarding tricks are just stunts without a skateboard. Like, one of them is do a shopping cart. Can we please, Brian, this next one? Uh, okay, this one is from Homecoming. Brian, I hope you apologize to Nia for being mean about her bird drawings. <laughs> Still one of the be- all-time best Let's Fight a Boss bits. I, d- I did apologize because I felt so like, bad. straight after. And because, but it was so funny. It was funny. so funny. Oh like, my god! I never drew a bird again. <laughs> bodied her. Yeah, it was, it was a thing of beauty. Broke her yeah, back. Yeah, it was just... Just Mwah. snap that shit in half. Neve wishes she was Jungle Boy getting slammed into the steel case. <laughs> yeah. I think it's in one of our best of. Um, if you go back to our YouTube channel, you can hear it. This next one is from Idris of the Milk Cult. Um, it's going to get you in particular, John. You're its favorite. I don't know what he's talking about. Oh, I know what he's talking about. What? It... Um, this is from LCL Smoothie. Warning, this take is so hot, it might get me banned from the server. I think LFAB is a good podcast, and Neve and Brian are very nice. Oh, and John is there, I guess. That That is weirdly close to the bit from last episode, but this message was left in 2020. <laughs> yeah. That's fucking weird. Wow. And John, who also helps. And John, who also <laughs> John, this is one we have to do together. Okay. So it's from Nameless Dragon Rage. Okay, do, are we doing one after the other? Yes, so you say that, and then Neve says a bit at the end. Brian season. John season. Brian season. John season. Brian season. Brian season. John season. Fire. <laughs> oh, I, that was pretty good. That's from uh, Elmer Fudd and Bugs Bunny, where they're doing, uh, or is it Daffy? It's from Looney Tunes. 
I don't watch cartoons. They suck. Neve. <laughs> Looney Tunes. Looney Tunes. Daffy Duck's like one of the greatest fictional characters of all time. He's the original Vegeta. Kind of is, yeah. So the Looney Tunes song is called Merry Go Round Broken Down. That's a bit of trivia for you. See, Brian, I like your trivia. I don't like being asked trivia. What is the name of the Looney Tunes song? I don't care. I refuse. Just told you. No, no, I, I, my brain isn't even letting me have it. It's just like, John, let's get out of here. Let's do something interesting. Jesus. Okay, this last one here is from Cypher, and it's a long one, so let's see what we got here. One of the first times I met Michelle's parents, we played trivia with them for three hours, and I was just screaming internally the entire time. Oh, I'd love that. Okay, so... They're lovely people. Sorry, bring on. So it took me some time to put this into words, and I want to make use of my one shout out in a good way is it one shout out no you can get us like yeah yeah. Yeah. there'll probably be like several years between them but yeah yeah you can piss it away if you want (laughs) the world is made of bricks stuff is crazy all around and the podcast is on indefinite hiatus oh Oh, this is from september 2020 oh my god this is from more or less exactly two years ago give or take a few days but yeah wow life ain't so hot right now and who knows how long it'll keep being so but like everything, it's temporary. Things will get better. Things will change. I hope by the time that this uh, is read out uh, on the podcast that life has stopped going on a downward trend for the time being and has finally started going up. And I don't just mean you guys. I mean all of us. I hope that we can look back and see how far we've come. Maybe I've let this shout out become a bit too long, but whatever. I wanted to put the, put it out there. Hope you're all doing well, or at least better than before. Shoutouts to my future self and everyone's future selves. Eh. Yeah, I don't know. I think we're all doing better. I think Uh I'm aiming for existing. Neve, I knew you back then. I know you now. You're doing better. Thanks. Brian, try harder. Not too well this week. No, it's no. so mean. It's so unfair. Doing better last week. John lost half an inch, but yeah, doing just good. Drunk. Yeah, I just can't believe it. Still. Uh, thanks, Cipher. That was a that was a Sweden. It was loose drop. Also, yeah, that was a really sweet message. That yeah. kind of got me. That that really did. Cipher, yeah. you're you're a real one. Um, you 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 uh, used words. I don't have anything specifically, but I found a really good picture of Miss Piggy wearing jeans with her back to the camera. So that's going to be my loot drop. It sounds like you did find something really good specifically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I did. Okay, I got one. The band Dance With The Dead have released a new album, which is pretty good. But there's one song in particular I want to point people towards called Firebird that is... Just a fucking pleasure of a song. It's really just loud and silly and celebratory, and I enjoy it a great deal. I like to run very fast and listen to it. Okay, it's me. Uh, my dear pet hedgehog, Biscuit, was put to sleep a couple of days ago, and thank you everyone for your messages. I really appreciate it. He lived to be four years and seven months, which is quite long for a hedgehog. Most of the hedgehogs I've known in my kind of hedgehog minding communities they only live to be about three or four years so he was absolutely in his prime for way longer than we expected 
and it was only recently that his health took a downhill turn and we just had to make the decision to put him to sleep. And two years ago, I made a tribute video when he was really annoying me in a charming way and it's only 14 seconds long and I just... It's in that collection video that I put out, but it's also just on one of my side channels. So I'll just link the video. Give him a good life. Thanks. That's going to do it for episode 169. How come we didn't make any, like, raunchy 69 jokes? Because they're beneath us. Really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, we own 69. We just fucking fuck. <laughs> <laughs> we just fucking palpate, penetrate, deviate. Oh, we need to end this episode right now. No beneath s- us and on top of you yeah, there's no oh safety word God. when it's let's fight a boss the only word you say is harder dirtier smellier what's wrong John? nothing are we done? can we go? can I go home? yeah well no 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 let's just try once more no slippier oh yeah <laughs> so there's all kinds of fluids in the human body. To just, I just want to go to sleep. And uh, let's just say that the, the Mamma mia! <laughs> okay, that's <laughs> fine. Goodbye, yeah, everyone. Thank you so much for joining bye. us. This is great. <laughs>